my notes up and then we will begin in earnest. Cool. Ernest goes to Guantanamo, the novel, <laughs> or a novel. A, a grip's commenting on a, a post I made on Facebook late last night after reading the title of Dan Brown's newest novel, Inferno, a novel. Yeah. Oh. The A novel part is in the title. <laughs> no way. Yes. No fucking yeah. way. Yes, I'm serious. <laughs> this isn't so the movie. This isn't the movie, guys. He's already yeah. planned on making the movie. That's why. It's the number one seller on Kindle when I saw it last night. And so I made up uh, a, a series of other, uh, you know, novel titles that would have a novel next to it, like Hamburglar, a novel. <laughs> Gallagher, a novel. Ernest Goes to Guantanamo, a novel. Wedgie Police. Donald's, a restaurant. <laughs> yes. I actually made, I, I made a supplementary post. I was going to say, like, the McRib, a sandwich. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I just gave up at that point. It was, it was getting late. Well, what about, the, <laughs> like, as I commented, that he's, like, ripping off the title of Dante's Inferno, which yeah, might actually have been what necessitated putting a novel after so they don't <laughs> Well, what is he do. saying the Inferno is? Uh, a nonfiction work, or what is he saying? I have no idea. Well, no, he's because it's an epic poem. So, oh, you know, he wants, sure. to, he wants to make sure to differentiate for, you know, all the literature, like, majors out there that, you know, are so, going to read his book. So what's the response then for the publishers of, you know, the Dante's Inferno? Do they have to now say Dante's Inferno, the epic poem? Like Shakespeare. I think they just stick. <laughs> These are all plays. <laughs> Gross. I don't know what their move is. I hope they just stick to, you know, the divine comedy. <laughs> The Divine Comedy, an epic poem. <laughs> yeah. uh. Gross. Well, uh, we're here today for episode 35. Um, we weren't going to record today because I was sick, but I've kind of recovered and we made it work out. So, uh, topic today is uh, the Falcons or the Hawks, if you want to call them that. And if you want to be, you know, like that, you can call them that. That's cool. Uh, and as far as which ones I'm talking about, I kind of wrote down all of them. There's a lot to say about both groups, that being, you know, the original Falcons and the newer Falcons, uh, all the different members that assemble that group. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot to say about every member. Judo! <laughs> yeah, judo, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't actually have a, a pre-planned starting point for the topic, so I kind of just want to jump in as far as, well, I guess we can do it chronologically. That's how I always approach these things, so... How they're introduced at first. I guess the main distinguishing characteristic about this group is, for Guts, this is a group that's different fundamentally from the mercenary groups he'd worked with because they were friendly with each other. They weren't rivals or just like bands of murdering thieves, even though they yeah. started as thieves. You know, they were just a little more warm, I guess, to each other. So it was the immediate they were right. all united under, under Griffiths. You know, I think Griffiths was uh, the pillar of all this thing. Right. And, of course, that, that you know, threw Guts off at first, but ultimately, you know, by the end of it, he found uh, family in them, which was uh, obviously changed his life. But uh, individually, the members, do you guys have a favorite one you guys? Uh, it would be probably Pippin for me, I think. Really? Yeah, I like Pippin. I like him. Uh, I like the fact, yeah, you know, he's stoic and he's always there when you did him. And I like the way he sacrificed himself uh, during the eclipse. Mm, yeah. But that being said, I mean, I also like, you know, you know, even though he's uh, every fan girl's, you know, favorite and uh, that, that kind of ruins uh, the character Marcus. for a while. I, I like, I like <laughs> judo. 
yeah. I, I like judo and I like uh, I like Carcass as well and you know Rickett and everybody so but sure. yeah I think probably if I had to yeah. choose one just like that off the top of my head it would have to be Pippin hmm. if I had to choose one it would probably be judo just because like he does have I think he comes the closest to breaking through to like not just being one of the Hawks I mean just from his conversations with Guts and yeah. you know Casca he's probably he's like the lead Hawk you yeah know? It's, I agree it's, you know so, but I mean, it's hard. I can't really say he's my favorite because I like I like Carcass. I, I like Rickert just because he's still around. I like to see his development. I like Pippin for the reasons as said. So it's like I don't I don't really have a favorite. I just but I would acknowledge Judo's status as sort of being like a little bit above the rest of them. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. He was also given you know one of the most dramatic death sequences in the Eclipse. Yeah, I, yeah. I think Vera must have acknowledged that he was probably a fan favorite. Well, you know, even before that, I think uh, Mira put a, a particular focus on him, you know, the, you know, yeah, the yeah. way he, he talked to Casca and to Guts, you know, he was, you know, he was always a bit uh, above the rest, I think, in terms of character development. Yeah, of course. And of course, there's always the, in the background of all, all Judo's development is the fact that he does have crush on Casca or is in love with Casca. So there's a lot of subtext between their scenes. Uh, later on, volume 10 and so, 10 and 11. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of 12, of course, leading up to his death in 13. Uh, but yeah, I'm, the reason I bring that up is obviously there is a little more depth to him as a result of that, more so than the other Hawks or Falcons, because there's no uh, dual storyline happening for them. Uh, that being said, I do like Carcass. It's probably who I would pick because it starts. it's very simple to me. You know, Mira wrote this character as not being someone that's very um, likable, you know? And so you, whenever, whenever there's a character like that, this happened in Vagabond as well with Malahachi. Uh, whenever there's a character the author clearly intentionally wrote in not to be a likable character, you question why would they do it? And, and so to me, a character like that that's critical or provides like a different like perspective on the main cast, that's a, that's a crucial storytelling element. I think a lot of people disregard because it's just not a likable character. But what he does, he shows other facets of his characters. Carcass is the first to point out the flaws and things, even though if he's even if he's wrong sometimes, you know, he's there to be the the, the critical eye of the Hawks, the the other perspective for how things have been going for the group. And I also appreciate he's it just basically I, the only naysayer for yeah, guts. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I've always appreciated kind of the conniving, uh, scoundrel type character. Always. <laughs> like, even when I was a little kid, I always liked those characters the best. Um, so I like Carcass a lot. Uh, Pip and I can totally understand the strong, silent type speaks only when necessary. And also, Miura modeled him after himself, did he not? Uh, the face, yeah. Just yeah, the, the, face. the face of the character, yeah. He bases on himself. Which is pretty cool. I wrote, I wrote <laughs> right. Gaston in there just because I felt like, you know, it's sort of like the the pick your favorite character list. Like, I guess I have to include him because he's a named character. But if, then I have to include Dan. Judo is the well. lead of the you know the Hawks supporting cast. He's like the you know the sixth member, the one who you know, talks about. Right. Although he is actually surprisingly popular. I think people like Gaston for the same reason they like Pippin. He's sort of you know he's he shows a lot of loyalty and passion. You know, for Guts specifically, and you know the way yeah. he he dies. Right. Yeah, um, where we left off, we were talking about Gaston and Gaston. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the dub version, the way Guts pronounces Gaston is really, really good. Maybe well, that's he, the correct way, but it's not. Yeah, he, he pronounces it as uh, a French way, you know, right. Gaston. 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 
But uh, yeah, with of course more, more gusto, you know. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure it's meant to be pronounced like that. Actually, uh, I I never rejected. It. Uh, it's not really that worth it. Yeah. But um, uh, Rickard, yeah, I mean, uh, it always seemed a little weird to me that there's this eight or nine or ten year old kid along with the the Falcons on the on the battlefield. Yeah. Oh, was it weird when Guts was out there? What do you yeah. mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, oh, oh. he was once a, a kid on the battlefield. He, but he, he isn't, was, yeah, he clearly he isn't. That was escaping. exceptional, though. I mean, that was, uh, yeah. you know, everyone thought that was just a little weird. Particularly when Guts was training with, you know, full-size swords against adults. You know, that was always, not always. I'm saying I wonder how young Rickard is supposed to be, actually. Like, yeah. exactly. Do they ever mention that? Because it's like he might just be, like, little by nature. In addition yeah. to being very young, I so it makes him look like he's, yeah, yeah. See, he still, still isn't that big. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you know, to his credit, I think uh, he was more of a tinkerer than uh, an actual fighter. You know, like he's on the battlefield, but he mostly, you know, we see him, you know, shoot with crossbows a lot, and uh, he was always, you know, tinkering in the in the camp. So I I don't think he. I mean, he fought, but his main status wasn't uh, as a fighter, you know. I think everybody acknowledged that. And that's why he also often stuck by, you know, Pippin. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, yeah, he wasn't going to go all by himself, you know, fighting everything. Yeah. Except for his and one of Carcass's best moments when, uh, <laughs> when I think it was in the Battle of Doldry. He was going to, even though he was injured, he was in a, you know, like, he basically let a battle cry. We have to keep going. And, you know, Cargus says, oh, my God, Rickard's gone insane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <That's good>. <laughs> <laughs> because of his bravery. <laughs> yeah. Looking back on it, it is it is cool that Rickert was spared. Um, I always thought that was strange at the time. Um, obviously, he had a greater purpose to serve. You know, we, we kind of figured that back at, back then as well. It wasn't just like a Mira sparing this child a horrible death. It was also that, you know, he had a, a, another role to play in the story still. But yeah, it is nice that he survived, I suppose. Well, he's yeah. also provided sort of an objective perspective yeah. of the Hawks. Because it's like we've got Guts, who has his feelings, and Griffith, you know, who, you know, I don't even hear, who doesn't have any feelings. <laughs> and then Casca, who has no thoughts on the subject anymore. So it's like he's really like other. It would just pretty much be guts and his own, you know, take on it, and which you know has been selfish at times. So it's mm -hmm. nice to have Rickard there to you know sort of have just an objective perspective, you know, to look at Griffith differently than guts would, mm -hmm. and to actually have to come to grips with these you know things on either side, and also you know some of the dark sides you've seen of guts, mm -hmm. and point that out to him. There's been a lot of comparisons made. Um... Both in the the series itself and among fans of the series, uh, between Guts and his relationships with the, this group of characters, and Guts and the group he currently has with him. Uh, you mean these superior characters <laughs> you know, during the Golden Age? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the, the the talk always comes down to, you know, well, well I uh, I empathize with those characters more because they died, so clearly they were better friends with, with the Guts than. They were like Guts high school friends that are, it's easy, yeah. it's like simplified, it's easier to enjoy them, but it's like the relationships clearly aren't as, you know, complicated and they're not as fully formed of people. Well, they're also, the difference also is that they're, these are abridged relationships, you know, with, with yeah. the, has with the Falcons there, where we're seeing glimpses, highlights of their careers together, their friendship together. They've like been together three years, but yeah. we like skipped three of those years, you know? Right. Whereas what we're seeing with Guts' current group, of course, is for the start to finish, you know, every major point of their relationship as it as it grows and changes and 
So, uh, but it is funny that you mentioned, you know, his high school group. And I know you're just using an analogy, but didn't Mir, I think, said in, in an interview that he uh, designed the, the group yeah, relationships around his own high school friends at the time. I'm not sure it was uh, so much the group relationships as the characters, you know. He just, you know, inspired himself from his, you know, high school friends to design those characters. So, But well, I'm I mean, not sure it's the relationships themselves. I, I, yeah, I didn't know how to take that line because I don't know to what extent is he saying. Like the actual character designs, the personalities. I mean, to, to me, I took that to mean group dynamics because it yeah. can't be the resemblances because uh, – Well, I, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I think it's more the personalities because, you know, the group dynamics, you know, I mean, there, there was no, I, I don't expect there to have been a Griffiths and Guts, you know, among his uh, high school group of friends. So I don't know. See, that's actually, that's actually something I've thought about before is maybe there was a very strong personality within his group. And, and you know, like, you know, that's, that's not out of the ordinary for a group of friends to follow along with one and. I don't know. I'm, yeah. reading, I'm, reading, I'm reading well more into it than we could possibly ever know at this point. But yeah. It's just something I've thought about before is, is to what extent did he really mean that he based it on that group, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, you no. might be reading a bit much into it, but, you know, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it's like I, I assume, even though he said it isn't that way, that he – like his point of view is Gut's point of view, that he's basically Gut's. That's just how psychologically it would make the most sense. Even though he said, oh, Guts and Griffith are sort of, you know, original <laughs> hmm. characters and not really based on anyone. Mm. But so I wonder if he had like a carcass in his life who, you know, it's like, oh, I hate that guy. <laughs> he probably said, it like, you can't, you can't draw so good. I'm a much better artist than you. <laughs> you know? and, like, and like, God, I hate that guy. <laughs> so, so I wonder about stuff like that. It's just funny to imagine, really. But, mm. uh, I, I I I doubted it was it was so literal. I, I just it is neat to think about what he really meant behind that. It's probably not as nearly as much as we mean we were thinking, but anyway, it's, he was just thinking old buddies. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, trying to think. Uh, character favorites or sorry, fan favorites. Obviously, judo uh, comes up there. I I, I kind of feel partially guilty about making the judo crying uh, emoticon because like that was why. Why? Because it was, uh, because I'm, I'm devaluing a genuine emotional moment in the series, you know, where, where, where both I respect <laughs> oh. that moment in the series, but I also hate it when people like kind of go a little overboard with that scene, like saying it was the most emotional moment of their lives and things like that. Like, whoa. That would be overboard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think it's a funny emoticon, you know, and uh, it doesn't de- – I-, I wouldn't say devaluates the moment. <laughs> it makes fun of the people, you know, and and those are people who don't even exist anymore. I mean, they've – True. Re- they've, they've gone back to when they came from, which uh, I don't know to – I don't want to know where it is, but uh, yeah. I think I think it's funny. I think it's still funny, actually. I, I still like it. <laughs> yeah, I've had some variations on it as well. I don't mean to go into emoticon talk, but there's a couple more variations I have where – his his uh his tears make like a pool around him, like a growing <laughs> pool, but uh, a little too elaborate for what I've they're been, trying to convey. Judo is probably the only character that has sort of a cult around him, you know, is in a sense is you know like of those hawk characters. Yeah, He's yeah. The only sure. one who like there's that piece of artwork that has like that fairy arm pulling him out of the blood. Yep. Even, yeah, yeah. Even I'm guilty of like I drew that image of him like alive in a forest or something, like you know. So it's like it's it's interesting. I don't know. It would be. Uh, yeah. I, don't know. Well, I wonder if, if uh, ahead, like sorry. sort of the the judo fan club 
what they thought of the the video game, the PS2 game that had because we should talk about that. I think we've talked about it before, but uh, yeah, about the appearance of the Hawks and sort of that scene where they sort of accuse Guts of being selfish and you know they sort of swear their loyalty again to Griffith and say, you know, yeah. you know hey, if it's helping the commander. Uh, at, the, at the time, uh, Mura commented that uh, he wanted to show some kind of what Gus would be afraid of, you know, in regards to, you know, to them, you know, like what, yeah. what so, some some kind of nightmare he would have, you know, like if they came back that they would actually blame him mm-hmm. for not, you know, accepting the sacrifice, that kind of stuff, you know, that's uh, so it's from Gus' perspective, you know, some kind of nightmare. To him. Of course, it, yeah. in, the ga- in the game, it's uh, created by, you know, Charles, you know, the the, the kid apostle. So yeah, it's it's all guts, you know, some kind of you know paranoia. Yeah, it's just an know. illusion from his uh, subconscious, basically. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, it's it's actually pretty interesting that it would it would be that angle, you know, like like he, that he would be afraid the others would understand his quest, wouldn't approve his quest to avenge them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is interesting that he included. So, because to me, that's a very important piece of the puzzle is guts synthesis of this. You'd think that would be included in the, the canon. Uh, but obviously, I, I guess, you know, his thoughts on that are kind of implicit. They don't necessarily need to be yeah. elaborated to this extent, but it is a, a neat glimpse into what Guts' mind, what some of the guilt or, or feelings he might have or uh, about his quest and what he thinks his friends might do. Yeah. Still, still I, I think a lot of it is implicit. But um, Yeah, of course, yeah. And, and the reason I actually had not planned on talking about that, mo- mostly because it is, like you said, it, it's, a, it's an illusion. It doesn't necessarily give, a, give us any more depth or reading into the characters themselves. It's, it's merely a, a kind of extrapolation of, from Gut's mind. So, But, um, yeah, I, I can't imagine if they were around still that they would disapprove, you know. Uh, they weren't running and screaming. They, they were all running, trying to fight for their lives. They weren't happily giving their lives away at Griffith, you know. It was, yeah. Seems very clear to me. So, yeah, all of them. I think, uh, yeah, Kakris himself might have, you know, how to say, taken on uh, Guts' uh, side on this one. Yeah, man, that would have been <laughs> that would have been cool to see him. Yeah, actually, <laughs> all right, I was wrong. Fuck you, <laughs> <laughs> buddies at last. The ultimate tag team combo. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other characters. The judo, obviously, what I was going to say earlier was, of, co- of course, he has a little bit more of a fan following. Because, you know, he has the, one of the most sympathetic death scenes with Casca. He feels like he got shortchanged, not only in life, but also in that moment when he finally finishes yeah. his, his thought. Well, you know, he's uh, the ultimate nice guy, you know, sure. the guy who just, you know, sacrifices himself at every corner, every occasion, and ends up, you know, getting the short end of the stick, you know, even though he did, you know, everything, he was selfless to the end. So, yeah, sacrifice, you know, I think, I think it's pretty cool, you know, sacrificing himself for Casca. And even when, uh, Guts, you know, was leaving the, the Falcons, you know, he told him to take Casca with him, even though at the time, I mean, he already loved her, so he knew then that she would prefer Guts. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, he's a pretty astute character. I, th- I think that's one, one side of uh, why he's, you know, we, we can feel he's more developed is that he's very astute and he often comments on things and, you know, gives a pretty, you know, like I would say that Casca knows Griffith is the best, mm-hmm. but Judo also had a pretty good, you know, how to say, a good feel of how Griffith, Casca and Gus themselves, you know, all of them worked together and what each of them could do and thought and, and that kind of stuff. So, you know, from that point of view, 
it's, I think it's pretty understandable that he was like the third main guy after Griffith and Casca before yeah. in not counting guts, you know. It's also a lot of what he, uh, a lot of what he knows about the characters is, is subtly implied and, and less spoken. Yeah. You know, whenever he makes assertions about the characters, it's, you can tell it's done with a lot of forethought and, and a lot of knowledge, but not a lot, we don't get a lot of, time in his head, I guess is what I'm saying, you know. A lot of times yeah. we'll just get, like, a look or something. Exactly. Like, you'll see Casca yeah. looking, you know, she'll be concerned about Guts, and he'll just give it a look when she walks away. Like, I think right. that was, like, the bonfire of dreams. Yeah. So you wouldn't know that if you only saw the, the new anime film. But, um, yeah, we get that a lot from him, I think. You just get that sort of knowing glance, you know, or the little, you can see the little intuition working in his mind. Yeah, so it's also the one that holds Casca back, back during the battle on the. Um, yeah, and he actually sort of you know chides her and you know, corrects right. her. Right, he knows the situation can't be resolved in any other way. Even though you'd think someone as uh, emotionally in touch with the personalities in that group, he would realize how you know damaging that that would have been to the group. But he kind of just says it has to play out this way, you know. Well, I also think he knows Griffith better than uh, than probably most of them do, more than they think they do. I think I he don't understands. know. I, I see him as being a little more entranced by him than so. he was more naive then. Because I yeah, mean, a little bit. Because I thought his explanation to guts, he like sort of alluded to, you know, like early on. Yeah, he but Charles, to, yeah. Hmm? Yeah, gu- gu- yeah. This plan is much bigger than this. That yeah. that, that scene. When he says uh, that, you know, Griffiths has to go through Charlotte, you know, right. to yeah. get to the throne. Yeah, I think, yeah. He sort that's of understands, again. you know, yeah. that there's like, that the, he knows you know, he's not goes. totally in trance. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would say that, uh, you know, as far as understanding Griffiths goes, I would say Casca is first, then, you know, Guts and Judo are, you know, not necessarily on the same line, but are on the same level of, you know, knowledge about him. I'm, guts, I'm guts, putting but, guts at the at the bottom actually. <laughs> well, the thing is, guts I think gets bonus points because he knows things that the others don't. You know, like yeah, the assassination. About, about friends. Yeah. That. Yeah. Too. Like he knows more about his ethos than you know, like judo would. You know. Yeah, ever that's it. What's he, interesting? He knew, Go ahead. He, sorry. No, I was going to say he knew, you know, uh, about, you know, uh, the assassination and all that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. both the assassination of Adonis and Julius, but also the assassination of the queen, the fake, you know, poisoning. He yeah. knows all about this and uh, the others didn't. And I think that's... I think Judo has an idea, though. Yeah. Yeah, well, I- I'm not sure, actually. I've often but, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't have the intimate knowledge, like he's not on the inside of that, but I think he has a suspicion that, you know, all these things that conveniently are happening for yeah. him. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, but yeah, the thing is, we we don't know for sure. But yeah, I, I agree that he must have been suspicious on some level. Hmm. I forgot what I was going to say, but it was it was pretty cool. It was deep. <laughs> oh, here we go. I don't remember now. Um, well, we got into this deep, dark uh, Judo <laughs> Griffin. That's what I was going to say. Was was Griffith chose guts? Griffith chose to bring guts in on his on his inner circle here and have him go out in these missions, obviously because. <laughs> He knew Guts was capable of doing it. But I think another part of it was also that Guts is not the thinking man. He's, he would he would follow orders. He wouldn't try to put things together in, in that way. Not that well, I think Judo would rebel or anything if he had assigned Judo. Yeah, I, I don't think I, – actually, I think uh, Judo would have had more – you know, how to say – a harder time following orders. I don't think it's that Guts – wouldn't put it together. I think it's just that Gus wouldn't care, you know. Yeah, he, he just was, didn't care. Like he wasn't yeah. even – 
looking at the bigger picture because it's like, eh, you know, whatever. I also think the reason he had guts to it is just because of, you know, the nature of their relationship and sort of, yeah. you know, you know, he felt more comfortable, you know, showing him that side of himself. Whereas the other ones, you know, he didn't feel that way. They had sort of this more, you know, what I mean, idealized relationship with him mm-hmm. as this beloved leader, you know, and everything. And yeah, I, mean, a, I think a superficial was, relationship was more they had. Yeah, it was more, but yeah, it's more superficial. Whereas yeah. he was going to let guts in. Right. So I, I think we had converging points, Griff. You were going to say something, and then I cut in, but I think we're saying that. Okay. Well, no, I was actually going to say about judo. It's like he, I think he also appeals to sort of you know every guy out there that's like in love with the you know the girl sure. and won't and, and won't tell her. And then it was so his death also served as like the ultimate like sacrifice to that too, where he's like <laughs> he's dying and he doesn't tell her, and yeah. literally is thinking like, oh geez, these are my last words. Mm. Like and yeah, that was probably. Probably the best part of his death, I guess. Not the way he died, but just the being. That was like the one time we were really in his head. Do you want to make a top ten list of uh, best parts of Jiro's death? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm thinking we might actually revisit that scene. Uh, you know, when Casca gets back, you know, maybe oh, as she yeah. as she ponders, you know, upon what happened, you know, we'll see a bit more of it, or just you know, might, might be just. I think that she remains oblivious <laughs> to Jiro's. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, oh, man. not not necessarily, you know, about what did he mean, but, you know, more like we might see a panel of it, you know, remembering his face as he died and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Also, maybe a last glance towards Pippin as he was, you know, yeah. butchered by all those fuckers and that kind of stuff. Or when no, you, you see his guts and Griffith, you know, killing each other like animals, you'll think, I should have married Judo. <laughs> been a, you know, we should have just, you know, gone off and been thieves. It would have been a more practical relationship. Yeah, this is um, horrible. He would you, have, bring up, you do bring up a good point, though, is that we, now we've discussed it hundreds of times in the past in the show, but, you know, what Casca's uh, recollection will be, you know, if she's brought back completely, will she be sort of, you know, just after being in the moment of the eclipse, you know, as far as her mind's uh, state of being, you know, uh, will that stuff still feel current to her, you know? Uh, I wonder. I don't see. I don't think it might be. I think, no, probably not. But yeah. uh, she might have, like, you know, how to say, a cloudy, you know, cloudy memories of what happened mm-hmm. in between. Like, you know, maybe remembering moments or so, that kind of thing, but not everything. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is nice to see glimpses of those characters every now and then. I think we've maybe seen two of them, two of little uh, shots of the, the, the Falcons from back in those days, drawn yeah. in modern style. Yeah, Volume, Sorry. you know, after, after uh, guts, you know, after come back from the Clifford, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the it's, companions. Uh, right. Episode, but any other ones, but. Uh, well, I just had a sort of a random Casca thought. It was, it, it led to something. It's sort of a dumb idea, but then it leads to something depressing. So it's worth throwing out there. It's uh, if she remembered things sort of cloudily, do you think the things that would be most clear would be those moments where she sort of flashes back where, you know, she goes down the, the rock wall, you know, very athletically. Mm. And then sadly, you know, when she like attacks guts with the sword and he, you know, assaults her, if that would be like all she remembers from that time, like, hey, uh, wait a minute. It could be. I mean, I, I do think that moment's going to come back, but yeah, I, I don't think that it's as damning as some other people think. It is. Yeah, probably not. I mean, you know, it's the one time, you know, he, you know, really, you know, 
how to say, lost his, you know, sense, I would say. So, yeah. but yeah, I don't think she's going to, I mean, I don't think she would, you know, hold it against him too much. I mean, yeah. he did, you know. In spite of everything else he's accomplished, done for her, you know, it's a little, it's a little pessimistic yeah. to think that would unravel everything to me. Yeah. And he, and he did, you know, uh, violate her a bit, you know, during their first time too. So, and she understood at the time because he also had his reasons. So. I think it's uh yeah I don't think it would be wow. you know, the end of it. What an unhealthy relationship, <laughs> to say well, the least. You heard you heard it here first. Skull Knight yeah. Net advocates sexual assault. <laughs> no, it worked for me. <laughs> no, no. Wow. Well, I mean it is it's unhealthy for guts as well. I mean it's just awful. I mean just yeah. as they stand. Yeah. Well, he's been holding back for like you know years. So yeah, it's brutal. <clears throat> Um, you know, you know who I didn't include in this list after all this talk is uh, Casca. Whoops, <laughs> sorry. Well, we've just been talking about us. So. Well, of course, she's one of the big three. Of so. course, yeah. The, the list itself is more of a guide. I'm just saying, like, uh, trying to think of the characters we haven't given a lot of talk to. But so, I mean, she's a she's not a supporting character in the same sense. You're right. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. she's one of the triumvirate main characters. Faux show. Yeah, she's on like the she's. I consider her what's the big three. Yeah. So, yep. Uh, I I didn't have much more to say about this particular group. Uh, did you guys want to transition over to the new Falcons, or did you have any more to share about these guys? No, I don't mind. You know, transitioning to the newer guys, personally. Cool. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is a subject we're going to return to because uh, I didn't give enough. I, I didn't do enough time to research each character to the extent that I want to do. So instead of this being our dedicated. You know, that's the one time we're going to talk about Zod. That's the one time we're going to talk about Grunbelt. You know, no. You know, you know Zod should get his own. Yeah. He, we already do Zod? Yeah, no, we already we, did Zod. Yeah, we already no, did Zod. We've, we've never done a Zod episode. We, we've touched on Zod like hundreds of times. Yeah, we did enough material to make a Zod episode. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Like, Just edit it back together and it would be a Zod episode. Right, right. The, 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 pur- the purpose of this episode mostly is to talk about the selection of this Apostles for and and this group and how this group is different from the old group in a very obvious so who, way. So who do you think is the fan favorite of the new? <laughs> I think Zod's very popular. yeah, probably yeah, Zod. obviously yeah. Zod is everybody's favorite. But I, I but, wanted to, I yeah. wanted to I wanted to rewind a little bit back in time to an embarrassing time for us. I, I'm sure you guys know exactly what I'm talking about when uh, I say when this group was <laughs> first <no> introduced. <laughs> when this group was first introduced back in 2002, I think it was. The rumor was, uh, for, I think it was started from the Japanese forum, and it said that uh, the new, new Falcons have appeared, and they are uh, they resemble the old Falcons. So is it? So that, all we knew was the text of that. We hadn't seen images at the time, and so of course our minds take off with all the possibilities of what that could mean. Does that mean his characters are being revived? And if so, who are they? So so after that's already been ingrained in our heads, once we finally see the episode. You know, we look at it from a totally different perspective. We're looking at it like, I, I guess that one guy with the lance sort of looks like Carcass. I mean, he's got long hair, but yeah, sure, okay. And then this guy's really big and he's got a hammer. I guess that's supposed to be Pippin. That doesn't make a lot of sense, but sure, okay. You should, uh, are you looking at the podcast notes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 okay. I'm, re- I'm relying on it, actually. <laughs> and Zod's got spiky hair, and so that must be Guts. He must be Guts' father. Yeah, of course. Uh, of course, you know, it didn't well, take long. is his father. That's what's going to be revealed. I mean, they look so alike. <laughs> and Rickard, uh, sorry, Griffith just wrote down. Uh, and Rakshas is similar to Rickard somehow, so. 
Uh, because yeah, he's the last one left, you know. They're like yeah. the leftovers, basically. So. And of course, Irvine is judo. You know, it all makes sense. It all connects. You know? <laughs> because well, he actually, throws stuff. You know, he's got the ranged attack. You know, that's, right. that's why. No, but wait a minute. It was Rickert that used a crossbow. So if we oh. switch those two, and it's Rakshas. I don't think Rakshas is really throw. Has he thrown like something? I know he kills yeah, people. Yeah, he has He has more similar dust, right, Yeah, you know? yeah. He did use a dart on an elephant. Yep. And so, a small then, you know, there's a problem there you because, go. you know, Casca's left out. Oh, yeah, Sonia. Sonia's, Sonia's in there. Yeah, yeah but... she wears the same helmet. Yep, yep. It's obviously, these are resurrected characters. Yeah. But, but Mule should be Rickard then. Oh, oh yeah, you know oh. what? You're right. Well, then Roxas just doesn't fit. Well, Roxas is a Skull Knight, man. Roxas is. <laughs> he's not Skull Knight. He's just on his undercarriage. Don't get me started. <laughs> So yeah, it didn't take long for that premise uh, to to die out, and yeah. uh, no, I don't know how it started. Locus, when I I remember when we heard this, like some apostles showed up, but they look like the old hawks. It looks yeah. like carcass. And then I remember when we read the I read the episode, I was like, he doesn't really look like carcass. <laughs> <laughs> he looks more like Steve Vai than he does carcass. <laughs> I remember the moment of looking at him like. Uh, I guess sort of looks like Caucus. They got dark hair. I mean, yeah, yeah, in, in no other about, way at all. <laughs> nothing about their face looks similar. Like not yeah, yeah. the nose, not the other features. <laughs> you know, that being said, like that taking taking that point to the extreme uh, is obviously the wrong way to do it. But I, I I do think this this group was supposed to sort of evoke the same sense. Uh, yeah, as, I mean, well, they're supposed to be the new core group. Right. The well, there's a lieutenant, yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I think I think um, I don't know. I'm, I'm talking way beyond how I actually feel to play devil's advocate here, but <laughs> I, I I think there is some similarity enough between guts and Zod for there to be a, a sort of a parallel. Uh, yeah, but it's you know yeah. yeah I mean yeah, there's, there's a parallel, but it's it's very I mean it's, it's just superficial, just light. It's all, yeah, it's, it's just so light. Hey, you Gross know what? Uh, if Gr- we can. Yeah, I was going to say thought. you could also say Grand Bell is big and Pippin is big as well, and yeah. You know, but yeah, it's that's, just that's no. there. No, I mean we're making the comparison. It's there. I mean, it's, <laughs> it exists. It's possible. Well, no, the thing with Zod and Guts is Grunbeld actually, I think, looks more like Guts. Just yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because he he looks more human as well. I mean, but it's also the the role that parallels, right? You know, right. Zod's role. He is obviously Griffith's new, you know, right hand man. Right. So yeah. that is where you know that's a stronger parallel than you know like. Their appearance, sure. Their spiky hair, yeah. And <laughs> he also has a, he has he has a role of the like the red, you know, the red leader or whatever. The guys that just you know ride yeah. in the fray and just fucks everything up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. The raider party. Yeah, um, so much more important than any direct parallel for any of these characters is just for gut significance is to see that you know not only did Griffith you know kill like their old you know running mates and everything, but now that you know they've all been replaced. Yeah. yeah, you know, and that was the significance for him that you know it's just he's using the name and he's got these new you know freaks and monsters that you know are taking their spots. So yeah, I mean that's the parallel. And of course, it's it's an army of the things he's been fighting against for two or three years. Yeah, taking yeah. taking the name of his old group with his old so friends. It's a total perversion, some yeah. grotesque you know, version of the Hawks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It but, does um, that insult to injury. Yeah, what I was, what I guess what I was trying to get at was, uh, as far as an outsider's perspective is concerned, those who may have heard of the Falcons during the Hundred Years' War 
as being the heroes of the war. Griffith disappeared. Griffith came back and he has an army suddenly, you know. And I, I guess the understanding of the common man is supposed to be, well, here they are. Here's the guys that won the Hundred Years' War, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. And obviously, um, some of the insiders, people that people that knew the old Falcons, they gotta be raising some red flags. But we've yet to see what those are, you know. Raban and Owen, uh, obviously knowing uh, Owen called out to guts, recognizing him as you know one yeah. of the former Falcons. But obviously, they haven't put two and two together as far as this group is not that group, you know. Uh, yeah. No, no one's truly acknowledged that on the page yet, and I, I doubt well, that, at this point. I doubt it even matters at this point, you know, but... Or, yeah, but I, I think it will come back, you know. Yeah. There's, uh, you know, Owen, so Guts, and Guts, you know, was very cold, I would say, like, you know. I'm not, you know... a line in there. Because when what? he was asking, you know, like, where's the Falcon? You know, yeah. do you know where the Falcon is? And Guts had, like, some great line, like, you know, oh, he's closer than you think, you know, <laughs> like, with yeah. all the monsters running around. <laughs> it was a great... I mean, it, I don't know if the line was meant that way, but in English, it's like a good double entendre for, like, you know, not only is, you know, he at the head of all this chaos, but also, like, th- these beings are closer to Griffith, you know, mm-hmm. basically yeah. in nature, you know, and that he's well, a monster. So. I, I think... Guts, I think the, his lines work, you know, very well in Japanese. You know, Mira's the, the kind to use that, that uh, kind of, you know, of, you know, style, you know. So, and uh, yeah, I think it was very cool. And now you see there's Raban and, you know, Rickert, you know. And Rickert, you know, I'm actually curious to see you know, what will come out of that encounter, you know. Just, you oh, know, yeah. probably, probably Rickert will just, you know, tell Raban about a few things and then they'll part ways, you know. But then... Raban and Owen can start talking together when they start noticing, you know, I mean, more eerie stuff or, you know, whatever. And then, you know, it might grow from there, you know, from Owen having seen guts and having had that, you know, encounter and, uh, you know, uh, Raban with Rickert, you know, I, I think it, it can grow into something. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. We had the, we had a huge discussion about this, uh, yeah. just when we were discussing that episode about, you know, Rickert going into Falconia and what's, if anything, is going to come of it. Yeah. You know, actually, there's also Foss, you know. Foss could tell them about, you know, the Queen yeah. and everything, you know, everything the thing that is, they're all, I, I feel like they're all compromised now. Like, even, yeah. Owen, like, you know, Rickert could tell Owen Rabin and every, you know, anyone he wants, like, these aren't the real Falcons. They're a bunch of monsters, and Griffith's a monster too. And they'll be like, "Oh yeah, we know. It's awesome. You know, <laughs> we love terrible. these monsters. Yes. Yeah, and so, and soon, soon we will all be monsters. Yes. <laughs> Join us. Yeah, they're going <laughs> to yeah. be, be selling Falcone, Falcone or Apostle branded cola, and then everyone's going to be <laughs> drinking it and turn into pseudo apostles. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Actually, you know. Who knows? That, yeah. that might not be far off. Like some, <laughs> you know, that people drinking out of the special chalice. That yeah. There are. Congratulations, <laughs> Raban. And now it's two days your turn. You'll become, you know, enhanced just like us. That would be great to see Rickert like having I mean, to basically fleeing through dark alleys in Falconia, like <laughs> sneaking out of town. Guts is going to walk in with a pair of sunglasses on and see that everyone's a zombie or an alien zombie. <laughs> so they live reference. Yeah. Okay, I'm sure you got it. <laughs> the problem is the sunglasses threw me where it's like, is this Terminator? Is it any like badasses that wear glasses? <laughs> Put the glasses on. Put the glasses on. Put them on. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, you're right that the Rakshas does kind of stick out from the group. He, he is a little bit different. Um, he's a totally like well, – because he's – I don't know. 
he's sort of a totally original like creation and i don't mean the other ones aren't original like they're not really based on those characters no. it's just that we've seen big knights and we've seen you know <laughs> we've seen you know he's he's very atypical of you know what we see like he's well, I we think Irvine is also pretty, you know, atypical in his own way. And like, he was actually the last one introduced. Sorry, who? Irvine. We're talking Irvine. about Rockstar. Irvine, yeah. No, no, I yeah. know. He knows. He said, he said yeah. Irvine's also strange. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I think he's also a bit uh, atypical. And uh, he was the last one introduced, you know. Well, I think when we uh, get the, like, the specifics of him are strange. But, I mean, like, you know, he still fits, like, the archetype of, like, oh, he's the archer. Wow. He looks human. Like, he, do- he doesn't have three yeah. eyes. Your mask and uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing with others. The, I mean, the obvious difference is that we don't even know what Rakshas is. We don't know what's what. Yeah, what the? Uh, well, I, see, I think like. he, I think he's fitting that uh, he's an ancient member of the Bakiraka. You know, I mean, it makes perfect sense. You know, he's an apostle. Mm-hmm. You know, from guys that are you know originally weird and overpowered. You know, they're like you know superhuman. Uh, you know, and uh, and strange and uh, he's even stranger and uh, you know, mm-hmm. it fits. What's also cool is, you know, when he goes against the Tapasa, he even says, like, you know, he even, like, chides them for being uh, yeah. not powerful it's enough, you know, and, yeah. you know. <laughs> which makes us think about, you know, what he what he was must have been like as a human before becoming yeah. a fossil, so. Well, you know, he was probably, I think he, he might have been outmatched by the Tapasa when he was still human, or I don't wow. know, maybe at the same level, but... Uh, now that he's an apostle, of course, he just, you know, overpowers them. But yeah. Apostles aren't known for their, you know, their being humble, especially for their monster <laughs> yeah. status. As Guts likes to point out, you know, <laughs> monsters monsters shouldn't pretend to be you know, warriors. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> they, curious, uh, most curious about Raksha's backstory out of all of them. Yeah, yeah that's Does a he good... see it as anything weird? Where, like, are they already using sorcery? I mean, that sort of thing. <laughs> Who is a Bakerika? Rakshas, like they were, you know, if they, you know, were they already using sorcery to enhance themselves, sort of in his day, sort of, you know, not dissimilar to. Uh, oh, you're uh, saying the the, the Bakiraka? Yeah. Oh no no I thought uh, I, think I don't think through, so. You know, uh, the the word tapasa, I think it has some kind of alternate meaning in in our reality. Yeah. Uh, and know, it has the, to do- the thing is, they're, they're all based on uh, Oriental, you know, or who should I say, ASEAN actually, but more from the Indian, you know, side, mm-hmm. and uh, Indonesian, you know, uh, martial arts, you know, and these are actually based on some kind of like the original martial art, the thing upon which uh, Kung Fu was based and all of that stuff, you know, and it's all references to that, and um, the tapas are like the, the ultimate warrior, you know, in, in the kind of martial art. That uh, the character of Silat is based around, and all the the Bakerika are based around. Like the the last step, you know, after using the Urumi, which is a weapon Silat uses, mm-hmm. you know, the last step is to fight using just your fists and uh, and feet and just your body. Actually, no weapon anymore. You know, that's like the the your state where you're actually the master. Mm-hmm. And so the Tapasa are, are like some kind of example of that, where they have honed their body so much that you know they have become some kind of monsters. You know, they are ultra. You know, right. ultra strong, ultra. Hyper muscled and, uh, and Silat actually comments on it to Jarif, you know, when they, they speak, you know, as, uh, you know, who says, uh, prisoners are leaving the city of Windham just before mm-hmm. the big battle. Well, he says that the Bakirika have, have survived, you know, holding their bodies, you know, just using their, their, you know, bodies and their sweat and skin, and their flesh, you know, it's actually very, Hmm. It's it's pretty deep, you know, and I think it's pretty uh, how to say revealing of what their motto and their way of life is. Like they train, they fight, you know, even distorting their bodies, you know, using their deformities, like you know the guys we see uh, chasing, you know, 
Griffith Guts and everybody when they, they are escaping from Windham as well, you know, before yeah. the eclipse. And so I, I think it's very revealing of that. So I, I actually don't think they're into magic at all. You know, they, they're like even, I would say they're almost some kind of anti-magic, you know, group of guys where they just rely on pure skill. You know, right. they're some kind of the ultimate warriors when it comes to skill and dexterity and that kind of stuff. They would think that Guts is a sellout, you know, comparatively now. I yeah, mean, even actually, though he's, he's yeah. very anti-monster, but still, they'd be like, yeah, man, well, you're using that magic armor. You got this little witch girl. <laughs> She's like your steroid supplier. You know, we don't, we're all natural. <laughs> yeah, actually, yes, they might have that kind of, uh, that kind of attitude, but. They, they uh, actually, I could see them, like, seriously sort of being like, well, you know, like, just from their point of view, you do seem sort of compromised, like, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I think, I think thematically, what they're doing is what Guts is doing as far as him versus his opponents are concerned, you know? Comparing yeah. Guts to an apostle, you know, it's not dramatically different from comparing how a tapasa has to hone their mind, sorry, their bodies to, to match more powerful enemies, you know? It's very similar yeah. to Guts, so. Yeah, and actually it also fits, I mean, it explains why, uh, Silat and Tapas and everybody just, you know, outright refused to join with Griffiths because they knew you know, he was part of that, you know, and they were so, what says, they knew he was so, you know, on that side that they actually sided with Ganishka, which was, you know, awful in his own right. But like, I think it's telling that Ganishka with his, you know, horrible demeanor and just everything he did was still more appealing to them than Griffiths, who's all angelic and, you know, welcoming everybody, women, children and, you know, and dogs and cats and everything. So yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's pretty telling. That being said, I think, you know, they made the decision to ally with Kanishka under the circumstances where, A, they were promised, you know, land for their people finally. And also yeah. they were doing under the premise that this was not an, an evil apostle. This was uh, the emperor of the Kushan Empire. You know, they didn't yeah. know he was an apostle until much later, obviously. So Yeah, but, but the scene, I mean, yeah, of he course. Stayed, he know. stayed with them, yeah. Still yeah. stayed loyal to him even throughout, yeah, sure. Yeah, but, but there's a, yeah, and I agree, I agree. He wasn't, he said probably, you know, I mean, he wasn't already, you know, he was more likely, what to say, less evil looking when they made the deal with him than uh, he showed himself sure. to be later on. You brought yeah, I mean, they were point. still shocked by what they learned about him later. So, yeah. yeah, they didn't know, even though they were, they knew he was just so frightful and everything. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you stupid what point. if that jumped in my mind during this conversation. <laughs> what if Guts became a Tapasa? How scary would that be? <laughs> Think about it. Like, assuming That's... they were like average looking guys. <laughs> He'd have to well, ditch his sword. He'd have to yeah. use his hands and <laughs> metal fist, metal legs. Yeah, I think, uh, he's actually some kind of, how to say, alternate version, like, he, yeah. he specialized in using he's big the swords. European style. Yeah. <laughs> the German style. He, yeah. he's, he specialized in using big swords, but, uh, yeah, he's essentially the same way, like, you know, you know, he's got superhuman strength and that kind of stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. Actually, I wonder if, uh, they could, like, block the Dragon Slayer, you know. Hmm. Wow. That would, be, that would be something to see. I mean, if well, one of them could, you know, I don't know, deflect it or just, you know, you know we've never it. seen them fight you know, because uh, Salak called it off because he knew yeah. that it, you know, even though he thought they would win. Exactly. I was about to yeah. say, Salak said that they would win, but not without losses and that would be oh, not worth it. Yeah. Which yeah, makes but, me think like, I would love to have seen that, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he's actually fought Guts before and he actually yeah. saw him kill, you know, members of his clan, you know, lesser members. So... Right. He had a pretty good, you know, how to say, estimation of his strength. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's actually, that's pretty interesting.
Yeah, because yeah. he's like, it was a very, yeah, it was a very informed analysis. So it's like, man, that would have been a hell of a fight, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's true. I would have liked to see that, actually. Speaking of the Tapasa, I know it's not on topic, but it's a very interesting subject. They have those markings on their foreheads. And they were introduced so early and yet still have not been developed to the point where you would expect at this point in the series, which means I have to imagine they have a, a larger role to play in, this, in the story coming up. I mean, we talked yeah. about that before, but it's just so interesting that Mira planned the seeds of those characters so early mm-hmm. and made them so fascinating and uh, extraordinary so early without elaborating on it until you know more than two, two decades later. So, Well, I have an explanation for the markings. <laughs> okay. I think it's just so we can differentiate them. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean it's like, yeah. you know, it uh, actually, that simple. If you, you look at the, the Crucian, in the Crucian language, those just correspond to numbers, like one, two, three, four. <laughs> yeah. you know, you four, know, attack! <laughs> at, you know, at some point, you know, after they fought with Rakshas, a lot of people uh, were mistakenly thinking uh, two of them died, actually, you know? Because they yeah. couldn't, we saw them, we just saw two at once, so people were like, Shit, you know, the other two died and such that kind of scene. Actually, because they didn't notice the markings were the same. So it was the same guys who were still accompanying, you know, Silat. But, you know, I think still, you know, people would be mistaken nowadays, you know, if uh, that hadn't been shown, you know, all four of them together since then. Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's really, it's quite simply, there were four, then there were two. What happened to the other two? You know, it really comes down to that. Yeah. So... Uh, or, or, or much earlier, Azil, you brought up the point. I would love to have seen Raksha's backstory. I actually wonder if we are going to get backstory. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I think you so. Think we'll so? get back. We'll back. We'll get backstories for all you know, five of them. The reason course, I say the reason I say maybe not is because we've already given a glimpse at Grunbelds and Locus's, uh and, and yeah, a little bit yeah. of Irvine's as well. Yeah, but it I'm was just, put it just mentioned. It was just mentioned, but I th- I think. You know, even if we just get like, you know, a page or two, you know, that's nothing. But even if we just get a page or two, I think we will get something, you know, not uh, maybe not a, a whole episode like, you know, Ganeshka, but I think we'll get something. I mean, Mira, he's been teasing it. I mean, he hasn't revealed it, you know, on purpose. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we will get it. I think we'd more likely get it for Roxas and Irvine than Grunbeld and Locust. Because I don't yeah. know that it's necessary for them. Because theirs are just sort of like – they're like almost like it's an archetype, like what we got for them. So you can just put it together, what happened. Yeah, you know, I mean, we got we, context we, for them. We got. Well, so again, I, think, I think really Grunbeld and Locust just need to you know, fight guts and get killed. <laughs> like, you know, they can just be bad guys and we already you – know, I can already – I already sympathize with them I feel as much as I need to. Well, you know, know, actually, I think for Locus, we just, you know, got some very, it's, it's very light what we got, you know, like, yeah, yeah, he, he was a knight, you know, fighting in, you know, uh, tournaments and, uh, he always won and he didn't want to follow somebody who was weaker than him. So in that regard, he's actually, you know, much like guts, you know, I mean, but, um, that actually makes it more interesting to me now that I think about it because the way the context we get for him was that he was, uh, there was no one that could compare to him. And so, yeah. Under what circumstances would he be in a sacrificial uh, ceremony? You know, under well, what? my my assumption was that he that he that he got too old. Mm. Like that was yeah, just my so assumption he, that he got old and then he started to lose and that you know that because that's what oh, I thought just because you know when I yeah, read the story that he was like this actually. unbeatable competitor that he probably yeah. got too old and he wasn't yeah. good enough anymore. Maybe he you know was in a a, a duel and then noticed. Himself lowering his, uh, having yeah. standards lowered, like you know, yeah. I should have yeah, made that hit. You know, maybe that. he lost to some nobody. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, was, you know, even was mortally wounded. Who knows? <laughs> That's a cool idea. Yeah. It basically, it's, it's like the inevitable problem of an athlete or a career athlete, right? Yeah. Yeah. Your career. yeah. So that's Father time is undefeated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those knee injuries are brutal. Yeah. And you know, for when it comes for Grambella, I think so, we've also got some pretty interesting thing, you know. The yeah. fact was, you know, king of his, you know, small, you know, small kingdom or whatever. Yeah. And he, so yeah, I think he was in a losing war and he actually, you know, I'm curious to see it. You know, I'm truly, I'm curious. And also, it reminds you of uh, Guts again in that, you know, isn't he fighting, like, hundreds of opponents himself? Like, basically, <laughs> yeah. he's, like, the last line of defense. Yeah, and, it was. You know, so, yeah. already a giant. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, and they say, but, it, you know, and they threw in there, like, we heard he got killed in the battle. Yeah. You know, so it was strange that he was there. So, obviously, he did, you know, he basically got killed in the battle and then is revived as an apostle. He rose again and finished yeah. the job. <laughs> <laughs> and then he went home and ate everybody. <laughs> As far as the personalities are concerned with this group, Grunbell's actually one of my favorites. I, I really like the, his character style. Uh, he's pretty cool. I mean, he's got, I mean, he's got the, the cannon shield, you know, everything is, is, you know, awesome about him. The Warhammer, the giant armor. I actually liked his old armor better than the new one, but, uh, yeah, I guess he had to have it made, uh, in a hurry. And also the way he interacts with, with Zod, uh, he's, he's a much more formal and, uh, yeah, he's very chivalrous. Yeah, proper, yeah. I guess is the word. He's like a he's like a ten foot tall Jonathan Quayle Higgins, if anyone gets that reference. <laughs> <laughs> From uh Magnum? Yeah. Yep. Okay, so I didn't know. I'm All not sure. the Higgins part, so I'm not sure I would go that far, but yeah, he, well, he plays a knight, you know. He's like it's just like Gus Stadium. You know, yeah. he and Locus, they play at being knights, you know. They're like, they pretend yeah. they are still like in their former life, so oh uh, you know, sir Zod. You know, because he's uh, above of them in the line of command. I think even Zod was sort of like, ugh, what a jerk. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like, doesn't Zod even, he sort of has, like, he, like, mumbles in a grunt belt. Like. Yeah. There's, <laughs> yeah, There's some kind of comment like that for between, between yeah. that's why I brought up that particular point was that it makes Grunbelt seem a little, di- quite a bit different than other ap- apostles that yeah. we've seen. Yeah. Um, They're a little hoity toity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's the same way as that, uh, when, uh, Sonia and Mule were in the woods, you know, and the apostles were trying to eat them. He just came by yeah. and were like, you know, what's that? Put them straight. And even after that, Sonia was like, okay, I'll bring you a corpse, you know, or two. And, uh, you know, Grimbay was like, you know, he was glowering at her. So. Yeah, he disapproved. You know, yeah. He, <laughs> he just, you know, yeah. He's very, I guess, you know, like you say, very stern and, uh, stilted. One thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is, this group of apostles, the way they were introduced as, you know, our understanding of apostles prior to this was that basically they were just monsters, you know, always craving human flesh, always, uh, you know, exploiting humanity well, in some way. You know, I mean, the, the count. Yeah, yeah he, was, he, was, he was pretty evil. Yeah, he was evil. No, but, but I mean, he, was, he wasn't, ultimately though, he wasn't just a monster. Yeah, and just, sure. you know, and, you know, uh, even the Beherit apostle was very specific. Yeah. I, I think, uh, we we got to see a more human side to apostles, you know, uh, before, you know, you know what I mean? Okay. These apostles I, are different, though. I mean, I mean, yeah. un- unequivocally, the lieutenants in yeah. Griffith's army you know, are dramatically you know, you know different what, than. The- you know why they're different? I'd say it's because they were warriors before. You know, mm-hmm. like you know, Russians account they how to say they showed us a human side. You know, there was a first, but these guys, it's not just that. They're also very proficient at fighting, so. Mm-hmm. 
they've got this human side and this complexity. They are like, they're more evolved than the, you know, basic guys who are just, you know, crave flesh. But they're also good at fighting. You know, that's the difference. You know, when, yeah, when well, guts... to that end, they were, they were always better than everyone else. You know, so the power yeah. probably doesn't go to their head the same way. They don't feel like, hey, I, now I can eat everybody. Yeah. I'm going to do that. You know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and, uh, and at the same thing, they also have a purpose and they're under Griffith's command. Right. Yeah. So they're so following. Yeah. Yeah. And but that was part I, of Grunveld's rationale too. He said, "Oh, you know, that's not what we're, you know, it's not what we're yeah. here for." But I, I, know, wonder, if it, if I wonder what their character arc is going to be. As uh, you know, these are supposed to be more more chivalrous, a little more human, a little more uh, nice guy apostles. Will they ultimately be basically in, in their final moments? Are they going to be uh, characters we lament their deaths? Are they going to be characters that? Ultimately, reveal their true colors as as monsters, or, or what do you think you that's know, going to be? I think it I think might we have the best chance each. of that. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say I think it might differ for each of them. You know, they might mm-hmm. each react differently. But the thing is, what I wonder is, you know, when guts, you know, ends up killing them, are they actually going to be, you know, like, you know, think of, you know, Irvine. You know, mm-hmm. intervening when the cockatrice is about to eat, you know, other people. You know, think about what how they reacted, Rabbi and such. It's like he's a savior and he's yeah. a superior. So he's like the general now, you know. Rabban is like, you know, how to say deferring to him. So when Guts actually kills, you know, let's say Grunbelt, are are, the, are you know, are human people, you know, going to actually think of him as some kind of, you know, you know crazy man, monster, traitor, whatever? Because, you know, these guys we have been protecting them from the, you know, Mm-hmm. What in their mind is a true monsters, the you know, wild, you know, magical beast, you know, attacking mm-hmm. them, you know, like, like beast would. So, yeah, I, I think that might be an aspect of things. Like, you know, when he actually kills, you know, Grunbel, he might have mm-hmm. to kill, you know, uh, Falconian soldiers, you know, in the in the in the process, you know, human soldiers. And depending on what happens, that could that could be true. Actually, I mean, from a certain point of view, you could say that guts, you know. Yeah. You know, he doesn't get it. Like, you know, that he's like, he's got his own agenda, but yeah. that it's actually wrong in the bigger picture. So yeah. it, it would be interesting. I mean, I guess we'll find out, you know, how sympathetic they're going to be. Depending, I think it, it, it hinges on how things, not when they die, but how they behave in Falconia. Like mm-hmm. if we, if we start having the big religious ceremonies where they're like, oh, it's time to eat somebody. then <laughs> I think they're, they're obviously their stock is nice guy apostles is going to go down. Yeah. But if, uh, you know, if they just stay normal and they're like protectors of the city, I think if the worst was going to come out of them, I think Guts would bring it out of them because, yeah. you know, he would challenge them. He would insult them. He would basically be telling them, you know, you're just a monster, you know, just to yeah. act like one. And I and think that si- would be like. Yeah. So, so Brand might play a role in this, I think, you know, the fact, you know. Yeah, that branded. too. But mm-hmm. the thing is, you know. The, you know, inhabitants of Falconia now, they are not even, you know, shocked by, they, they wouldn't be shocked by Apostle forms anymore because they are used to them. You know, when Irvine transformed, nobody gave a shit. So the, the thing is, uh, you know, it's like they're normal now. They're, they are monsters, but they're just like, you know, enhanced, you know, humans. Mm-hmm. You know, they are viewed as being human beings, you know, against all the magical creatures. So the thing is, you know, you know, when, when Grunbeld, you know, transformed, you know, uh, at Floa's place, you know, he did so, how to say, in a utilitarian way. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't mm-hmm. transform just because he's a monster. He transformed, okay, so you beat me in that form. Well, as an apostle of the, you know, Falcon of Light, I have to transform to defeat you. And I'm actually quoting exactly what he says. So, uh, you know, he transformed just because he needed the boosting power. 
And uh, I wonder if they are going to be like that, you know. And to the end, Holt says they will stay professional and not just, you know, turn into rabbit yeah. monsters, you know, like, you know, the previous guys, you know, did. Like, you know, they'll only transform if, like, a dragon literally <laughs> tries to attack Falconia because, you know, yeah. yeah, they obviously would need to. Yeah, more and more I'm thinking the circumstances we're seeing in Falconia, that's going to stay static. It's not, And it's not necessarily going to be human blood pouring in the streets, and that's the ultimate evil of Falconia. I think the ultimate, yeah. the evil here is that the entire human race was subjugated under uh, a ruse to begin with to bring this yeah. new world into being. That's the Dark yeah. Age to me, and well, it's now under... I, I think, well, it's a dark age because, you know, uh, humans can't live in peace anymore. Well, that's, because, what I, that's, that's subjugation is what I mean. Yeah, it, it's like wolves are roaming about. Yeah, and I mean, and also their protectors, you know, even though these people really are their protectors, they also brought this on, you know, this is Griffith's yeah. doing. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so, yeah, that's the... Yeah. I, 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 I think there's more. I think there's more to it. I think, like, I, I don't think this is just, you know, the, the end goal. I think there's, there's still something coming, you know. Okay. Something, uh, I don't know what it is. It might be, you know, something Jose. It might be that the idea of evil will have some kind of full control. You know what I mean? Like a control yeah. perfect over everything. And, uh, you know, it might be something like that or, you know, something maybe more, you know, less metaphysical and more, you know, grounded. But I think there's something coming. But yeah, it's, you know, it would probably be too, you know, Jose. It would probably not be subtle enough to have them just, you know, yeah, have some kind of, you know, you know, people often say, you know, at the end there will be a huge sacrifice and everybody in Falconia will be sacrificed. You know, that, that's, exactly. that's just, yeah. just ridiculous. No, that's not going to happen. I think we saw the last big sacrifice, you know, to the gold hand and everything. I think we saw that. Now they're going to do more evil stuff, but it will be done differently. Yeah. Um, I think we covered everything yeah. we had about this, these guys, but, um, I guess we'll move on to games. I've been, I've been, I actually have had a little bit more time than re recently into playing games. I can't remember if I've talked about Far Cry 3 last time or not, but either way, Griff recently finished Far Cry 3. Is that, yeah, did you write I think that? I, yeah, I did write that. I say Far Cry 3, I mean Blood Dragon, sorry. Yeah. Blood Dragon, yeah. So what'd you think? Well, it was an interesting experience. I greatly enjoyed all the, the humor and the references. And, you know, it was even, you know, I haven't played a lot of modern FPS games, you know, but, it, you know, it was fun. It seemed, mm -hmm. you know, it was probably just sort of typical, I imagine, of what's out there. And I, I had some problems with it early on. Ironically, as they were making fun of all the tropes of modern, you know, gaming, you know, and like the tutorials and everything like that, I was being completely tripped up by the actual problems of modern gaming that it actually is a part of, like, you know, sure. all the DRMs, you know, I, I had, I bought it on Steam and then I had to start the Ubisoft, right. like, program and then I couldn't run one without the other and then it wouldn't work right. It wasn't saving my game. It wasn't, <laughs> you know, it would say, yeah, it was, and it was starting to really piss me off and it, it just made it worse when it's like I had to replay the, the tutorial scene oh, for like the fifth time. And I'm thinking like, you know, these guys are making fun of, you know, new games, but this is a new game. This is, this is like, this is the joke. Sure. So that, that was pissing me off where it was like, you're not, you know, this isn't any better, <laughs> you know? Well, the, the, the true folly of the joke that it's like, it's, it's making fun of modern game design is the fact that there's a, there's a fetch quest type, yeah, you know, it, system it built into the game. From it. Yeah, yeah, and it says it's basically like it makes fun of Assassin's Creed the feathers do you have to collect, 
uh, you know, you have to go collect TVs. You have to go find and TVs video, in the and world. VHS and, tapes and, and, you know. and turn them off, basically. So you're, you're getting, getting all these items that are just scattered around the world. And whenever you get one, he'll make a joke about it. And it was one yeah. of them's like, I hope I don't have to catch any more feathers. And it's like obviously a joke against Assassin's Creed for doing exactly what Blood Dragon's doing. So it's like you're complicit in this. You're doing exactly yeah. what that was doing, but you're making fun of it at the same time. Yeah. I, I get it. Well, it's just making fun of game systems to begin with. And it's, yeah. You know, Tongue the thing cheek, is, but... is I wanted them to actually like be better than it. Like, sure. it's like give me a, give me the old school experience. Like in the final mission, you know, it makes fun of sort of the big spectacle they always do at the end of these games. <laughs> now, Azil hasn't played yet. I know yeah. I won't spoil. I'm going to do the spoiler free, but yeah, it makes fun of all the big spectacle. But it's still sort of it, is it ends up being part of the big spectacle. Like <laughs> even though it's it's trying to make fun of it, it still ends up like missing some of the points. Like if it was really an old school experience. It would have had, you know, in my mind, I was thinking like, well, wait a minute, I should have done this. This should have happened, and they they missed the opportunity. This is like a new game. It's, <laughs> it's just I sort don't, of, I don't, it's a new I, game in the skin of like a classic, you know. Of course, I mean, I, I never, I never expected them to design a game based on those older, you know, NES type games. And this is clearly, yeah, yeah. A, I mean, this is it, it. Basically, it's a total conversion pack for Far Cry Three. It's graphically yeah. different, but all the game mechanics are straight out of Far Cry 3, part and parcel. Um, so I never really had any expectation that it was going to try to be old school. It's more that it's in, you know, the visual design of things, and sometimes there's a VHS tracking thing instead of a loading screen. Yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff is well, all I expected. I don't mean that, I don't mean in, uh, I guess, let's say, I gotta do this without spoiling, but it's just, uh, I was not satisfied with sort of the final, you know, okay. battle experience. Like, and they could have done that. They could have replicated that in this engine. It wasn't any like limitation sure. they had. I know, was... I know exactly what you mean. But um, yeah. the, another thing I knew coming into this is that they designed the, and made the entire game in six months' time. So yeah, with a small team. So obviously they had to make some cuts along the way for what they could do, what they could not do. And but, I, uh, I really liked it, by the way. I want to get that in there because it sounds sure. like I'm sort of like you know I'm bashing it, or that we're getting into what's wrong with it, you know. And to me, it actually it was a lot. I, I mean, I played it all the way through. It was fun. It, it's not like that was hard. I mean, it's a it's a short game, relatively yeah, yeah. speaking, and. It made me laugh out loud a few times. It had some pretty good uh, humor in there, some funny jokes. This will be a spoiler. I like the one at the beginning. And this was just a dumb one where it was like, you know, what was it? Men want to be me? And, and Michael Bean, and, and you want to be with men? Yeah, I yeah. get it. It's just <laughs> such a dumb joke. It made me laugh like, wow, you know, I, I don't expect to hear stuff like that in my in my modern games. What I What I liked about the humor was that you could tell they had fun writing the script, and even if a joke didn't like 100% work, they made it work in a hammy way. Like they know this is not that. The effort uh, is what counted a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. The fact that they're actually attempting the joke more than it sticking the landing and being genuinely like haha funny. It's more like guffaw funny. A yeah. Lot of times. Um. What I really appreciate about I've played many modern shooters, and what I really appreciated about this game was it's uh it's not hesitating to break. Uh, traditional tropes. One, fall damage. It's not a factor because you're a fucking yeah. robot. That's awesome. Yeah. So they have you fall like, you know, thousands <laughs> of feet and you just land with a big clang and you can run like, I'd say three times faster than most games. You're, you're running like Doom Guy fast, you know, and they actually enhance your speed as you get further along. You can do so many more cool things in this game than you came with modern shooters, which Modern shooters, of course, are relying on, you know, realistic things a lot of times these days, like the yeah. Call of Duty type stuff. Far Cry 3 to a certain extent as well. 
This just breaks all that. Like, just do whatever you, you want. When you do the, the, the back kill, you can throw the ninja star. Right of course. <laughs> My absolute favorite. I don't want to spoil any more than this, but there, there's a, it's a technique that you learn involving jumping and attacking that you learn later on. It's, I found uh, super hilarious and useful throughout the entire game, but, um, I, I want to let Ezio figure that out himself. Anyway, um, I had fun and I totally know what you, as far as being a little disappointed because when you hear the premise, when you start the game, you get psyched to see the full package. And what we really get yeah. is a taste of what's possible with what they're attempting. And so thankfully, the game apparently is very successful already. So they're already talking about making a full a full size game of this type. And I think that'd be great. Oh, nice. You know, They need to start fresh with this, not be bound by what Far Cry 3 did as far as the mechanics are concerned. I think it has potential to be really good. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see... Uh, I say a fresh concept. Obviously, it's like totally a parody of the '80s, so it's not fresh, but it's it's refreshing to see them try something like this. You know, with a, a game, so I like it. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I had a good time throughout. I mean, I you know I wanted to actually be completist with it. I might just go back and collect everything and do do all that stuff. Ironically, they were making fun of. I did everything. Impression. Yeah, it's, it's it's worth it because the the final item you get is pretty awesome. But um, I uninstalled the game as soon as I got it because I was like, oh, I've got everything. I'm done. Um, other than that, uh, me and Griff played Mario Kart 7 together. Uh, one night I said, fuck it, let's play. So I said, get on, let's play. And Griff's like, all right, let's do this. And then I was like 87% downloaded, 89% downloaded, and it sat there for like 10 minutes. He's like, are we playing or what? I'm like, oh. <laughs> Ninety-one percent downloaded, and eventually got on. Uh, and I, well, then I, it, it wouldn't let us get into the same race together. Exactly. We were probably like we were probably exiting and trying to re-catch each other. And ironically, yeah. that was sort of like resetting us in the queue, you know. Yeah, and he was able. Basically, Griff had played enough to unlock carts, and he unlocked the ability to choose his own me. And Griff has an actual Griffith like me designed to look <laughs> like Griffith, and he has a little silver car with gold wheels. It's pretty awesome. Uh, all I could choose was Luigi. So, I mean, it was, we're not exactly on the even playing field at the time. I've unlocked a lot more stuff now. I have a Ganeshka, me, with a black car, a black Jeep type thing with giant wheels. Um, but hopefully we'll be playing a little bit more. I haven't played it very much lately. I kind of got frustrated at it because I, 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 I played, I kind of grinded it out. I, you know, yeah, it ebbs and it flows like, I'll have times where I'll play it a bunch in a week, and then I won't play it for, you know, weeks at a time. Yeah. I find it a little less addictive than than I found Mario Kart DS. But I think that's because... uh, Played so much of that? No, well, yeah, what what happened was me and my uh, coworkers when I was at the paper would play that after we finished the paper, like at 11 o'clock at night. We'd be done with work, but I'll whip out our DSs and we play Mario Kart DS locally in the same room. And anytime you play a game in the same room competitively, it's a lot more fun. Way, yeah, of course, you know. So less the game and more of the circumstance around the game that made that classic for me. Um, so it's still really good. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think power dashing is a little too easy to do in this game. It's got to hold the button down, basically. I I don't know, but it's not that useful either. Like yeah, it, it can be if you get really good at knowing the turns, you can you can exploit it pretty well. It's not nearly as exploitable as it was in Mario Kart DS, though, where you only use that when you're making turns. And it became, yeah. if you're not doing that around every turn, you're in the last place. You're, you're in last place, yeah. yeah. 
the thing that bugs me is that the, it doesn't have the DLC. Like, this is the one game where, like, I would yeah. completely advocate a ton of DLC, and I would probably buy, like, a lot of the tracks. But, but they, there are you know, a ton of tracks, though. There's 16 times 2. Uh, 30, there are a 30, lot of tracks. But tracks. most of them I'm, I don't want. I want I want to sure. play. I basically want Mario Kart 64 on my <laughs> 3DS. Yeah. So I was I was hoping to be able to like basically build that from the ground up, uh, and it's like you know, and I was hoping Nintendo would be like, hey, we want to sell that you know option to you, but instead they want to sell me Coin Rush in New Super Mario Bros. Which does anyone care about that? No, no. I don't I, think I, yeah, actually, I don't think anyone on Earth wants that. I mean, it's just the most the biggest wonder, folly of like sales. I wonder how good that game did. I hope it did really poorly because I don't know anybody that really enjoyed that game. The game is no, yeah. I mean, I don't feel like there's any juice behind it. Like it's just like uh, it was fun to play like some classic Mario levels, like you know, in a modern, you know, it's like hey, it's the newest. This is the modern interpretation of classic Mario. Yeah. But other than that, you know, those games have no soul whatsoever. They're just soulless husks. <laughs> <clears throat> um, uh, Azil, you've been playing EverQuest, right? Yeah, of course, yeah. That's why I haven't uh, finished, uh, you know, Blood Dragons because I've been playing EverQuest nonstop. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I wanted to talk really quickly about a game I just started playing last night. Um, there's a game called Dust, uh, an Elysian Tale. It's made by one guy, and I, I kind of had steered away from it for a while, uh, even though I got really good reviews when it first came out on Xbox Live. I think it was a year or two ago. Um, it's very fluid animation. It's a side-scrolling beat-em-up type thing, but set in the trappings of sort of a Metroid world where you're, you know, you're, you encounter something and you don't have the item to get past that wall yet, or you see a door you'll have to come back to, exploration type. But there's also a lot of combo hit type things you would associate with a beat-em-up. Um, uh, what I, what made me stray away from the game for a while was the art style and, you know, not being a huge fan of furries. This is like the furry dream come true because everyone's an animal in this game with huge cutesy eyes and you kind of feel like you're playing a Nickelodeon cartoon while you're playing it. But every other aspect of the game is so well done. I'm, I'll seriously, I'm blown away. The graphics are amazing. It's really fun. Uh, the music is incredible. The, Item crafting, everything else about the game is incredible. Get past the cutesy graphics and you're in for an amazing game. I'm, I'm really, really impressed. I kind of bought it based on hype alone. Didn't expect too much of, out of the game, but within like 30 minutes, I was like, I can't believe I, I, I was not hyped for this because I was, I was seriously impressed. Anyway, I, I don't can't believe they ruined this game with these cutesy graphics. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember reading reviews saying, Seriously, guys, get over the cutesy thing. There's a lot more to this game. At the time, I was like, that may be true, but this is really gross. And, and now I'm looking back at my thoughts, thinking, thinking like, oh, man, I just didn't get it. You know, I said I, I felt bad for disregarding it at the time because. Uh, well, it shouldn't be disregarded, but I do think it's a fair question. Like, why, why that style? Why not something more? If not, I, think, I mean, you don't have to try to be hardcore or cool, but just something sort of neutral. It's George Lucas syndrome. It's it's one guy making this, and he doesn't have an editor stepping in saying, "Have you thought about maybe people being deterred by this art style?" He's probably just like, "Oh, like animals, you know." And the thing is, I don't I don't detect anything like this guy's a furry or anything. It's more like he just likes drawing furry creatures. It's not necessarily- or he's like he likes you know like he, it, mm. you, there could be like a cool explanation. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I like that. That was perfect, but uh, <laughs> yeah, hmm. 
But, uh, this is I don't. I don't, I did, like he loves classic Disney and you yeah, know, totally. That's, that's, that is you know. way more of the sense I get from this guy. Is not he's not a devious furry lover. Is he's not into ponies. Sounds like he's rationalizing to me. <laughs> <laughs> from someone who hasn't played the game yet. That sounds yeah, like course. he's got his finger like over the red button, <laughs> ready to push. <laughs> <laughs> It was funny. I was telling Azil about this yesterday. I said, listen, I know we've talked about this before, and both of us said it looks like garbage, but trust me, this game's really good. And at the time, Azil said, oh, cool, I'll check it out. And he said, wait, what was it? And I said, dust. And he looked up a picture of it, and he said, no. He said, no. <laughs> I take it back to my head. <laughs> it's called Furry Fuckfest. Come on. Yeah. It's a great game, though. <laughs> you can find the name and the look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's really good. It's on Steam for like 11 bucks. Um, what else? What else? I had written down, uh, for the game section, talk about our most memorable online experiences. I have a couple. I'm just not sure if we have the time or the motivation to get through this section. Do you guys, do you guys have any stories prepared or would you have to kind of wing it? Uh, stories about what? Uh, it says (laughs) our most memorable online experiences, like game, playing games online with friends and things like that. Yeah, well, I guess you know what I'm going to talk about. I think I, I think you I do. Told us this story. Yeah, I already told us, you know, and it's going to be more of the same. So, <laughs> I don't know. Mine would just be like more Diablo two and three stories. <laughs> so you don't want that because I don't really play online games. I really when I read that question, I was like, I don't really play any games online. I only like Diablo two back in the day. Well, it the doesn't have to Diablo- be now. It can be across across the span of time, you know. <laughs> Look at, look at, you know, would you have... No, I mean, back in the day, I mean, I mean, over the span of time, it's only been like Diablo 2 and 3. <laughs> what, about, what, about, what about playing Goldeneye or uh, Mario Kart SNES? That wasn't you know. online. Yeah, that was, you know... Just multiplayer. Okay, fine, multiplayer. We, we did actually play a little... Well, what about Baseball Stars 2? Now, those That's are my fun. most memorable online experiences. Remember, we'd have those <laughs> games where it would be like 64 to, you know, 58? Yeah, man. Like, a home run at every at bat, basically. <laughs> Actually, if you didn't I bought- get a home run. It was just like, oh man, I really fucked that up. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a Neo Geo CD almost just for that game, also for Last Played too. But I had a Neo Geo CD back in the late nineties. Uh, it was pretty incredible. You could get any Neo Geo game for like twenty or thirty bucks, legitimately, instead of having to buy you know the cart, which was hundreds of dollars. It was the, the old nineties workaround to Neo Geo. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I have one story. I'll just go ahead and share. I have, first of all, my most memorable online experiences, I would probably have to say, are Left 4 Dead 2. I'm not going to talk about Left 4 Dead 2, though, because I don't have any singular story to tell about that time. I had a, a great career playing with friends, uh, a group of friends that in that game, multiplayer, planning out attacks and... Probably my a great career. <laughs> like that. Yeah, it was. You have like I've an old like Left 4 Dead two like hat, like one of those like army veteran hats. You know, <laughs> like it was. Guys... I call it a career because it's something we all did like after work together. It became like ah. a focused thing. Like um, we all play at night at the same time. Um, anyway, but I'm not talking about it today. What I'm talking about is total curveball. Uh, is uh, <laughs> Call of Duty World at War. Bear with me. So. I played Call of Duty, uh, just after Modern Warfare 4, or sorry, Modern Warfare, sorry. Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare came out. The next game to come out was World at War, which is a World War II themed thing. Call of Duty had not hit critical mass at the time. 
Uh, Call of Duty 2, Modern Warfare 2 hadn't even come out yet. So, yeah, kind of a different crowd. You didn't have the Xbox Live kids on there. Um, there was a particular map. Uh, the, the way Call of Duty is designed is you grind through levels. You, you, you play maps. Every kill you get a little experience. And you, you level up to the point where you can unlock weapons and uh, attachments for your guns and things like that. So what everyone tries to do is to get the most experience per match so they can level up. But there are certain maps you can play where the whole purpose of it is to grind for experience so that they've re-engineered the map so that everyone spawn or one team will spawn in a kill pool. So you'll just spawn die, spawn die, spawn die, spawn die for the benefit of the other team, which you will get to play as in the next round. So in one round, you're just going to sit there and die. And you're supposed to sit there and die, sit there and die. It's just like a concentration camp type thing. Mm. And the other team is just sitting there, you know, totally, you know, milking all the experience points possible. But what I had fun doing was circum trying to circumvent the 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 fated death of your of your species, <laughs> trying to undo the genocide of your people. So um, there's almost no chance of escape because you're in this like you know kind of a well area where you're, you pretty much sit there to die. But there are, there are ways to hop on uh, hop on people top of people and uh, jump off of uh, certain parts of the architecture where you can actually get out. But getting out is also difficult. But occasionally I would be able to get out, uh, go all the way around and flank them from behind and get like <laughs> dozens and dozens of kills. <laughs> it, was, it was unheard of because everyone's just focusing on the well. So you can sneak up on like 10 guys as they're, they're backs to you and just like backstab, backstab. And then, you know, as some of them would start turning, I'd already have landmines placed out for them ready, you know, prepared <laughs> for them to come see me. So as I would kill someone, they'd turn and try to shoot me and I'd duck behind a wall he would ch- try to chase me, and a landmine would go off, and then I'd hole up and turtle up in like an area, uh, and which would also drawing fire away from the well for a moment to f- shoot me would cause some of my slave friends to come out of the well, and then it was just a, a normal map for a while. Anyway, I've never had a better experience uh, in multiplayer ever. I had so much fun. It was also super uh, intense and frustrating because getting out of that well was so difficult. Cause it, and you, you just, you die in a, in a second, you know, you were, you were supposed to die, but I was, me and my, uh, my, my slave friends were fighting our oppression you to live. You fate. That's right. Just like guts. That's right. You're supposed to die. Making, uh, making waves on the water. Yeah. I, I actually, I think that's the last time I really played Call of Duty. And it was just purely for a gimmick, obviously, as a custom map. I, I never really got into the actual multiplayer because I found it boring. You just capture the flag or shoot a guy in the head over and over. It's, it's not really fun to me. I like weird circumstances like that. Make it- yeah. Um, next up on the agenda is uh, movies. Uh, I wrote down Star Trek. Uh, I, I, I wanted to see it before now. I have not had a chance. There's, there's no way. Um, I will be able to see it this week. Uh, my wife's going out of town, and I'll be able to go see Star Trek and Iron Man 3. That's the plan anyway. Uh, nice. Have you seen both, uh, uh, Griff, yet? I've only seen uh, Star Trek. Okay. So I asked in a thread after I read a little bit of your review, is it even worth it? Should I even bother with Star Trek or not? Yeah, and I sort of, I don't know, I gave like a mealy mouth answer. I mean, I... I think so. It's still an entertaining, like, summer movie. I was just disappointed in it very sort of personally as a Star Trek fan. This yeah, is like I, nerd rage. 
But at the same time, if you are any sort of Star Trek fan, if you know the story, it really is like sort of a bastard, like half-assed way that they did this. And I actually, afterwards, I read a review, or not a review, an interview with the two of the writers, and they basically copped to it, where they said, I was like, oh, originally, we weren't even going to do this at all. We had written the story totally independently. But then once we knew we had an independent standalone story, it was worthy of us to add this wrinkle to enhance it. And it was like, that's the complete opposite of how you should go about this. Like you should have wanted to do it in the first place and base the story around that. So mm. I don't know. Is it Damon it's, Lindelof as a screenwriter? He is one of them. Yes. And the other two were the ones that said this. So it's like, basically you can throw them all out as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> like after, after Prometheus, can we just throw this guy off a bus and just be done with him? I mean, can we just stop going to his fucking movies, ruining movies with his terrible screenwriting? Well, my big fear is that he's going to get involved in Star Wars at some point now, oh, you know. Oh, God. Because well, of the Abrams li- connection. likely, I think. Yeah. yeah. He probably will. He's also uh, the guy that made Lost into a piece of shit. Uh, yeah. Because Lost is a guy just... before. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it had a good starting point, you know. I did. Yeah. I actually liked season one of Lost. I think it's a great pilot as well. Yeah. The first season is pretty great. And then uh, season two yep. is still very compelling. You know, it has it a w- lot of good stuff. Yeah. But it also has a lot of weird – like that's like when when they introduce the button, that's when you're first sort of like, yeah. oh, this might not be good. You know, actually, <laughs> like it's – When it went to shit is when they, you know, introduce the smoke monsters, man. I think the smoke yeah. monster is when it really like it jumps a shark. You know, it's the, it's the same thing. It's a fucking smoke monster. It was when they needed to reveal something and the reveal was literally – it's all smoke. You know, it's yeah, smoke Yeah, fucking mirrors. smoke and mirrors, man. The button should have no. been a mirror. It would have been perfect. Mm. So, yeah, it was – yeah, that was sad. But I don't know about – like the first movie I still think was good, the first Star Trek. The first oh, yeah, it's excellent. Star Trek. Yeah, I think it's excellent. This one, This one might still work like as far as fun goes and just sort of, you know – drama and it's got that stuff built in except i feel like in certain ways they try to make it better than the first one they like tried to explore kirk more and make him a little more worthy as kirk you know but it it actually feels like it all became worse in a lot of ways Mm. there was i linked an article in one of my uh i think in my first review that basically trashed every inconsistency in the whole movie and everything that was wrong about it and and it's all valid. <laughs> it's like it was like one of our reviews of like the Berserk animes. Mm. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. But it, as just as a movie, as an entertainment, I don't know, like you're more of a next generation guy, right, Frank? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if you're if you, you know, if you're not that concerned with the original series, if it's not going to be like blasphemy to you. No, then, they can uh, do whatever they want with TOS as far as I'm Yeah, so then, you know, I think you should go see it. You'll pro- you might actually just appreciate some of the things that they did do mm-hmm. to, like, uh, for, that pay tribute to sort of the general knowledge about the original <laughs> series and the original movies that mm. they worked in there. That's sort of, you know, it's kind of cheesy and kind of fun. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for me, the problem is, is they hadn't earned, you know, they, they didn't earn it with the plot and with, you know, they, they mishandled too much. You know, I also read in your review that the the villain is not exactly one of the better villains in screenwriting screenplay history. No, uh, okay. well, I mean, maybe in another movie, but uh, yeah, here not so much. And I, uh, I mean, here he's just sort of a bore. And that being said, like, I was going to say to that. I mean, obviously, I haven't seen it yet, but you know, Nero in the first movie was a pretty stock standard boring villain as yeah, well. Yeah, that was fucking still, boring. 
But that movie yeah. still was fantastic. You know what, this so. guy, I mean, just if you take him just as, like, let's just say it's Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, like, just his performance is, you know, neat. He's got a scary voice and everything, but I mean, there's nothing to him, you know, and it mm. doesn't, and it also, it ultimately doesn't make sense to, for the character, okay. like, in really any way, right to the end. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's, it's sort of baffling. It's all sizzle and no steak. Was, as far uh, as that goes. Whenever I actually I think, go ahead. Well, Nero was wasn't like any less boring or anything because of it, but I, you know, like I said in the review, at least Nero was like, at least Nero was just sort of like an original thing and, you know, he was destroying planets and stuff, whereas this is a lot more, I don't know, it becomes almost abstract. It's very vague. Hmm. Like, eventually the motives just, there are no motives anymore. Like, by the end of the movie, everyone is just <laughs> sort of reacting. And it's like, well, what were they doing? What, you know, do they remember what they were supposed to be doing in the first place? <laughs> Where's our MacGuffin? <laughs> yeah, they're it, literally like the MacGuffin gets lost. And it's like they're just – they're all moving and like just – you know, it's like let's cha- – we're chasing each other because we're supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. It's like really? Has there ever been a movie where there was a character named MacGuffin that was the MacGuffin? <laughs> mm, probably not. I don't know. I, mean, I bet you in one of the maybe, yeah, maybe some of, guy did. But it would be probably a horrible, self-aware Hollywood. Oh thing. Yeah, well, yeah, I was gonna say maybe one of the Lethal Weapons. Maybe I don't know, something like that. You know, a Leslie Nielsen starred movie. I don't know. <laughs> they would have been good actors. <laughs> but I was thinking, um, whenever I go downstairs in the mornings, I usually have to occupy my son with something, and I'll put on uh, old episodes of Star Trek while I'm getting breakfast ready. And, uh, just, he, he doesn't watch the TV, but he knows something is making noise. And so I put on, um, uh, how familiar are you with TNG, Griff? I'm pretty familiar with it. I enjoyed oh. Yeah, I used to, I used to just watch like it's syndicated. I put on the episode where, which is actually, um, Patrick Stewart's favorite episode. It's called The Inner Light. Hmm. It is, um, it's my, it's probably one of my favorite episodes as well. I'm not going to go into details for those that haven't seen it, but, the power of it has absolutely everything to do with the fact that it's a sci-fi and it's all dialogue. It's all dialogue and acting. And there's, there's, there's absolutely zero action. Not a phaser is shot. Not a laser is nothing. No explosions. It's all talk. It's all pure like sci-fi concept. Um, and to me, that's the power of Star Trek. The power of Star Trek is not exactly. You know, yeah, well, of what course. we're seeing with the J.J. Abrams thing. And I wonder if they can do that successfully with a motion picture. Obviously, they tried with some of the earlier Star Trek motion pictures. Yeah, the first but, uh, one, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but uh, if it's a, if it's if it can still be accomplished or if it's simply limited by the medium, well, you have think, to have certain things. Go ahead. I think you just the comprom- a compromise would be fine because, like, like you said, like that episode was just you know they did a successful episode, basically just sci-fi talk. And that's what I'm used to with a lot of Star Trek, more than I am action. In the original series, it was the same way. It was a lot of concepts and ideas, you know, and if it wasn't, like, being talked out, then it was, like, they were, like, basically taking a what-if, and that would be the episode. It would be just a sci-fi what-if, and they would just do it, like, as an example. And I don't see any of that in these movies. There isn't, like, that intelligence. There's no intellectual curiosity. You know, there's – it's just – it's a lot of action with, you know, for no reason – the, the core, time. the core problem with these movies, and I haven't seen the second one, but I, I know enough about it to, to know this is true, is there's too much of an end of the world scenario looming over these movies that there's no room for 
idle chatter. There's very there's barely any room for character development or you know honest moments between you know, characters. I think Just, that is simply said. The problem is that the guy making them is a fan of Star Wars and not a fan yeah. of Star Trek. You know, yeah, you know, these are very two different you know conceptions because you know Star Wars is essentially you know cowboys in space. You know, people shooting each other. It's, it's just action. It's action based. Star Trek, even though I'm not a fan, it's you know a lot more conceptual, and so you know. It's just, you know, I, I, when I saw the trailer of Star Trek 2, you know, I enjoyed the first one for what it was. I don't think it's great or anything, but I enjoyed it. But I could tell, you know, it would be more of the same and, well, you sure. know, going down that, you know, well and not going in the other direction. And so when I read Griffith's review, I wasn't surprised. Honestly, I wasn't surprised. I, you know, it, it, felt, it felt natural to me. And I'm sure if they make a third one, it would be even worse. If I mean, even more action-y and even less, you know, science fiction-y or at least, you know, less. We're going to get Brett Ratner to do it because Abrams is going to be making Star Wars. So. Right. Yeah. Done. Yeah. They're going to um, get that the, the even worse scenario of like the uh, the new lesser director. <laughs> like, maybe it will be, you know, Snyder, you know, even better. Yeah, even <laughs> better. Great. More Zack Snyder. I'm sure Superman's going to be great. I'm oh, yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. Um. <laughs> You know, you know. That being said, I I like it so far. The trailers, you know, I like them so yeah. far. I don't. It actually, I'm not totally turned off. I'll be honest. Though I've heard some, I've heard a scary rumor. Oh. I could undo the whole thing. Oh. Yeah. I don't. Are I you don't ready? These, go Do ahead. I want to know the you know, want Should we spoiler alert for anyone listening in? If you just want to go into this movie, uh, yeah, spoiler. Yeah, alert. yeah there should be. There's a rumor that Krypton has not been destroyed. Oh, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. oh my god which Who that's cares? sort of like i i know i mean i don't really care myself but some nerds were really going realistic over this and i was reading it and kind of entertained you know they were making the that's the core of his character man and like imagine it's like doing batman and his parents are alive you know which <laughs> is like i don't know if it's that bad but i don't really know I don't know anything about the details of this movie other than what I saw in the trailer, but my first thought upon seeing that ship arrive and, you know, the premise behind uh, Zod and begin to begin with was Krypton exploded. Was every Krypton army that may have been deployed elsewhere also exploded? Because I figured they were just like an outlying, you know, force that came back yeah. and found their planet exploded. I figured, I figured that was it. But maybe not. No, I don't know what they're doing there. But I mean, that's just the rumor. I mean, maybe it's not. I don't see why it would need to be true. I mean, other than I think it is. It's a it's a permutation of Superman. So who cares? There's billions of permutations of Superman. Yeah. Does everyone have to be 100? percent You know. Whatever. I mean, it's it's not a character. They got to make the Dark Knight of Superman movies. (laughs) It's got this movie. This trailer. Everything I've seen about this movie is trying way too hard. It's way too hard. Nothing looks natural. Everything looks overblown and superficial. It looks like it, it doesn't it looks look like a Snyder movie. Quite simply, it doesn't look like my superficial kind of superficial man. Yeah, it looks like it's gonna be uh, something I won't enjoy just based on on premise and design alone. You know, well, you now, know are the Superman is doing a Star Trek two and saying that, that it's not General Zod. Just, I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I saw someone in the threads that writes General Zod with two Ds, and it got me excited. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, oh, man, I, that would I started, be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I wondered, but I, I think the autocorrection, you know, fit you, you know, because I was like, what? Oh. This guy. This guy. <laughs> but yeah, he's probably the autocorrection. Probably. Uh, I, wonder I, if that's where, I wonder if that's where Mira got the name. Mm, you know, it's, I would Bob, say, I would like Bob to say no. 
I, 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 would, I would actually like to say no, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, yeah. It was like Sarah Connor in Terminator 2. That, I know this hurts you. Call to John. Call to Ken. Call to Ken. Yeah, I'll probably do Star Trek and I'll probably post a review, but I don't, again, I don't, I'm not coming to this with any. You might, you might enjoy it more than I did, just on the same level yeah. as like the first movie. Because it, it does, in a lot of ways, it still is enjoyable. I just have one major problem. And a couple of side problems related to that, but yeah. So my, I'm like a single issue voter here. <laughs> so. Yeah, what I liked about the original movie was that it was a fun summer movie that happened to be sort of, sort of sci-fi based. And yeah, that was for me, you know. I guess that's it for the show. Uh, we'll wrap it up. Um, no berserk news. We are in a record-breaking break still. So maybe it'll happen in June. Hopefully. Yep. Uh, I do know that it's not happening in the first issue of June, so maybe it'll happen in the second issue of June. So late June, that would be. And if not, we'll keep waiting. That's what we do. Waiting and waiting. Apparently the DVDs, Blu-rays for Movie 3 come out soon, so we'll know a little bit more. About <laughs> That's like so off my radar. I was like, huh, what? I almost made a bitter uh, Owen Rabin joke during our talk there. Like, well, who's Owen? I only know Raven. <laughs> yeah, which one? Which one got omitted? It was Owen, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Owen's gone. That's right. Yeah. The end. That is it for the show. You guys can. I thought uh, it was already over. I wouldn't have been talking all that. <laughs> no, no, I'm. Mean, it's fine. I was, I was just saying. There's no more berserk stuff right now. Yeah. Oh, Azil, are you gonna go bake some pots and cakes? Uh, actually, I'm gonna go kill some mobs because this weekend is double XP weekend. So <laughs> I've been well, killing the- mobs all weekend. Yeah, it's a good thing I, I, you know, I had nothing planned because uh, I would have had to cancel it. Oh, for <laughs> the game. <laughs> That's by, right. By coincidence, I had and, nothing planned. <laughs> yeah, and as soon as, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to, you know. Get a gold, you know, membership, you know, pretty soon as well. Oh, it's like, getting dark. It's getting real dark here. Yeah, man. I'm going down. I'm going down there. <laughs> I'm just, you know. <laughs> the sun is being occluded by. <laughs> yeah. I, I've just got a new spell called, you know, remorselessness. And uh, that feels pretty, you know, close to <laughs> my actual feelings. <laughs> oh, you're being serious. An actual spell in the game called remorseless. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, I play. I, I play. You no, know, I play Shadow Knight. You know, I, sure. all my all my spells are, are called, you know, like that. Like, you know, score skin. You know, where like my skin, you know, is you know, uh, you know, attacked by a foul disease, and it makes mm-hmm. me stronger somehow. And you know, it's all that kind of <laughs> stuff. You know, reminds me of the uh, uh, that, that book I made you read, and the, the kid cast the uh, Heart of Stone technique. Oh yeah, well, Heart of Stone, yeah, it's that kind of shit, man. I mean, this game is full of stuff like that. I mean, it's yeah. it's endless, you know. I could, you know, <laughs> you know, there actually there are some sites that you know, you know, compile, you know, a lot of spells and stuff, and you could read that kind of shit, you know. Seriously, it's really there's you know, you know, maybe dozens of thousands of them at least. Oh yeah, Wally, I used your real name by accident in our Star Trek discussion. I don't know if you care or if you want to go back and like. Edit it out or something. No, I think people know my name's Frank. That's, it's yeah, happened it. before. I don't really care. I'm looking at it right now. Remorselessness increased spell damage <laughs> by 1% to 60%. 
Actually, uh, it's a remorseless domain, or the, the thing. And, uh, so it does, what it does is, uh, when I get a credit for a kill, uh, it makes, uh, my next lifestyle spell more efficient. <laughs> so, but yeah, there's, you know, there's so many of them. Touch of Severan, Touch of the Waiting Three, you know. It's, it's just, you know, there's so many I can't, you know. I think remorselessness is probably the coolest. <laughs> Yeah. Enjoying the news. Well, the one I, I always like the most is, uh, for harm touch, you know, yeah. where, you know, it says, uh, you wreathe in the grip of agony. Dragon harm touch. Wow. Dragon <laughs> harm touch. Well, that's probably from EverQuest 2, you know. Mm. I don't, uh, I don't approve of this shit. <laughs> Your hands glow with malignant power, it says. Yeah. Gouging blade. I like that. Is it you're rising in the grip of agony? Yeah, if you cast yeah. on yourself, cast on other X, rise in the grip of agony. Yeah, and there's Gorgon skin. Your skin <laughs> first does with the foul disease. I have a I have a strange I have to to admit I have a strange fascination for reading the message the message effects of these, even though it is yeah. probably pretty boring stuff. I think it's kind of neat that they. You know, I, I actually. I love it, man. And you know, every time you go into a zone, it's, you know, I actually took many screenshots for you, but I, I never mm-hmm. sent them, but you know, they are there. So, you know, I'll send them, you know, someday. I just you think know, it's neat that they, instead of, you know, it, it casts a spell and a big thing glows on your screen, they actually try to contextualize what the spell does in like a text form, which is, I think is kind of neat. Well, yeah, you read just, it in just, a book, you know. Yeah, this text of, uh, of everything and every, and anything. And even for quest, you know, there's a fun, a lot of background, you know, told by, you know, via text, you know, like, you know, today with my, you know, friend, we went to unrest, which is an old zone. You know, it's called the, the full name is the estate, estate of unrest, you know. Mm. And so it's some, some mansion, which is at, uh, you know, the shore of a lake, which is called, you know, Dagnos Cauldron. And it's actually a very deep lake, very deep. At, at the bottom of that lake, there's a, you know, a sort of kind of lost temple where uh, underwater, you know, beings dwell, you know, and it's mm. a, it's an old raid, raid zone. So you have to venture deep there. Of course, you have to have, you know, spells that give you, you know, uh, the ability to breathe underwater, otherwise you die. And so at the very bottom, there's, you know, some kind of the last remnant of a race of, uh, fishmen. So anyway, yeah, there's that estate and uh, it's cursed. So there's, you know, only undead creatures there. And uh, the last guy, the boss of the zone is a dwarf uh, who's uh, undead. You know, he's a ghost. And uh, anyway, so there's this thing there. Caduceus. Where, <laughs> where you can... Sorry. Yeah, no, no problem. Where you can actually... Uh, dwarf. Yeah, he's a, he's a dwarf, you know. Like, uh, there's many races in the game. Anyway... So, I forgot his name. I think he's called Garan or something like that. Anyway, you can get to this guy. He's a high elf. And uh, he wants to undo the curse, you know. So, he actually developed a way to travel through time. And he sends you back in time there. And so, there's this very, you know, long story about how uh, a cleric died and whatever and whatever. So, you go there and you find the dwarf has killed some kind of high cleric and the goddess Quilius. Uh, actually curses him and curses the zone and it's through her curse that uh, the zone becomes like that so it's all pretty cool and it's done through text and uh, yeah I'm not going to you know recite it but uh, yeah a lot of the game is like that 
It's because it's based on, you know, text adventures games. That, that's what it's based on. So, exactly, when they originally developed the game, there was no graphic interface. It came later on. Wow. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah. So they just, you know, tacked it on, uh, you know, <coughs> in the midst mm. of development. I, um, speaking of lore and stuff, I, uh, I started playing Dark Souls again, kind of just off and on with a new nice. character named Guts, strength based. Um, <laughs> and I, I came across, you know, this is what always really impressed me with Dark Souls is parts of the lore. You don't even know the full scope of it until you start looking through item descriptions. But this one actually, I equipped a shield. I never really looked at the shield before. But uh, it's called the Caduceus Shield, yeah. And maybe I'm not pronouncing that right, but you know, it's the, it's the it's the image of of two serpents intertwining is the yeah. idea of it. behind it's a Caduceus. The, it's a real thing. Yeah, to the Greek thing. Yeah, right. But it, it, in the Dark Souls world, the Caduceus Shield is depicting Koth and um, Frampt. Yeah, which I never noticed before, which is blowing me away. And there's actually two versions of the shield. One of them is like kind of like a wood carving of them. And there's another one that's like, looks like it's drawn on with blood and it's much more like elaborate looking. But uh, yeah, shields tell parts of the story in Dark Souls. That's how crazy and awesome this game is. Yeah. You have to know the context between behind the lore to get the imagery that you're seeing drawn onto the shields. There's like a history behind these things. It's, I don't know, an incredible game. Yeah. That's why we love them. Yep. Griff, um, if you need any technical help with that, I will always help. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm being shamefully silent, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm just sitting here, you know, like, no. Oh. <laughs> hey, you'll get, you'll get to I'm sure you'll get to it one day. I keep yeah. waiting for the, I don't know, like the right time to have, you know, just a whole afternoon to sort of dedicate to getting started. It doesn't take that long to get started, honestly. I get, I mean to like get into the game, you know, I don't oh, want to okay. like just, I don't want to be like, you know, get it started and play it for a half hour and then, you know, quit. Sure. but maybe that's yeah. just the only way to do it. Cause then that half hour, I'll probably, maybe I'll stay up late. I don't want to ruin yeah. my life either. <laughs> you know? Well, I know when I started, you know, uh, Azila told, bought it for me and he told me I would really like it. I wasn't totally convinced though. And I, I started playing it. I didn't get super into it probably until like, I don't know. A couple hours in, I think. It was probably three or four hours in. Probably just after my first or second major boss, and then I realized how awesome it was. But uh, is, is, it can be frustrating uh, if, at first if you don't totally get what the game is going for. Um, I will totally help help you through any questions you might have. So, I think I already – like my, my game plan is just to play as – what is it? Uh, start out as the fire guy basically. I heard he's overpowered in the beginning. It really doesn't matter, honestly. Well, relative the to the other characters that are going to be picked off and destroyed, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're gonna die, but, um, it doesn't, the character class really only matters. I'm talking maybe, maybe even in the first zone, and that, and that, the, the, the zone lasts 15 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, it doesn't matter really. It's just kind of a way to, the character class honestly only matters if you're aiming for a specific character build from the beginning, because you have self that you can determine your stats from the beginning. If you're just kind of free-forming your way through the game, it really doesn't matter, because you're going to end up with the same character anyway. I mean, uh. if you, just because you can pick a fire caster, anybody can cast fire, just not at the very start of the game, you know. You can, you can, yeah. ca- you can start casting fire within probably three hours of the game. You can, you can do exactly what that class can do, depending on whoever right. you pick, so it doesn't matter. 
And you anybody can, can equip any weapon. Much. Yeah, all the equipment is uh, stat-based. Like, if you want to use uh, axes, you know, you need to have high strength. If you want to use rapiers, you have to have high dexterity. It's, it's that kind of thing. So you can, you know, you can manipulate you your can, stats. You can, you'll, you'll naturally sort of mold yourself into yep. whatever you want to be, depending, exactly. independent yeah, exactly. of the class. Pretty yep. much. And that goes for spellcasting as well. If you want to do strength and spells, totally possible if you invest in the right points. So... Yeah, when I actually started playing the game, I took the class that has nothing, you know, the one that is most... Deprived you know, is what it's called. Yeah, the yeah, one that is, that. that is most, you know... I figure at the end they turn into, with. like, the biggest badasses if you get through it. <laughs> that was my assumption. Well, yeah, I guess it was mine as well, but the truth is it doesn't change anything, so, yeah, it just doesn't <laughs> give a shit. There actually, there's, there's nothing... But in, in uh, most most RPGs, you might have that kind of like risk reward system, and this is just now you're fucked. You know, you're just gonna get screwed. <laughs> you're just being an idiot. <laughs> it's just yeah, like, nope. it's just for for people who like that kind of shit. Yeah, pretty much that kind of challenge. Yep. Yeah, there's um, there's uh, the game will actually actually goes to great lengths to confuse and disorient you with the item descriptions. There's one starting one of the starting items in the game. You get to pick a starting item along with your character class, and one of the items is like super mysterious sounding it sounds like it'd be worthwhile to hold onto that the whole game and ultimately the, the creator was interviewed about it when no one could find a purpose for the item he said oh yeah i thought it'd be funny to put that in there it's just <laughs> like super devious asshole maneuver wow i could talk about <laughs> dark souls for a whole podcast everyone i tell who well, i think everyone i tell like my boss is familiar with the game and i, I just mentioned i was going to play it to him he's like you know and how you know my friends really like it he's like oh you guys like torturing yourselves like you know it's too hard and i was like oh wow you've heard of it see i think this is of course that's his reputation that is that is totally his reputation and it, it bugs me when i hear that um, uh, along a lot of people because once you learn the game systems it is it is no different in challenge from any other game in my opinion and you know every every game has its systems you have to learn to navigate around I mean, but once you learn them, it's, I don't think it's a super difficult game. I mean, it, fundamentally, it comes down to this. I beat the game. I don't consider myself super skillful or super, super, like the best gamer of all time or anything. Anybody can beat Dark Souls. It's just a matter of, of learning the, the game. And I'd say, like, um, in terms of, can you guys not hear me? Oh yeah, you can hear me. Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, yeah. in terms of like the, this, this difficulty goes, I probably died five to ten times more early in the game than later. Because you, you get past, like, a point, like on a, gra- a bar graph, you could say. Once you learn enough, you stop dying because you play more carefully. You're not you're not taking as many stupid risks and, you know, surrounding yeah. yourself with enemies. Uh, you die, you die less yeah. and you feel better, basically. I think it's not a problem. If you play carefully, it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the challenge differs per player, too. I, I've, I've talked about that in, in the thread where what I thought was a very difficult boss, other people breezed through and said, oh, you must suck. I'm like, well, I beat uh, Ornstein and Smo on my very first try, so fuck you, you know? <laughs> Which apparently was a big deal, and I honestly had did not have much of an idea about that. Yeah, it is pretty difficult, I would say. I had trouble but, with uh, once, once Griffey, once you get into that, I would, I would love to do a Dark Souls and Berserk podcast. Some of the similarities, just mo- mostly more talking about Dark Souls lore. Some of the similarities in Berserk as well, because there are quite a few. Um, but again, that's the game I could talk about for a long time. All right. Well, I'm yeah. The next time I have a free sort of afternoon to like 
yeah, get so. it up and running. Because I remember the first time I tried to start it, it just gave me what really turned me off was I could still see the Xbox controller buttons, like okay. you know, on the interface. It was like the same colors. And I was like, they didn't even change that to like something neutral. Like, uh, Are you playing? How how would you be playing with the game? Are you with a I'd use a controller. controller. Okay, thank God. Use, I got like a Logitech controller that sort of yeah, mirrors the Xbox. You definitely controller. need a controller for this game. I mean, yeah. I, I bought one for this game, so. The thing That's... is, I just need to set it up and, you know, up res, you know, do all the little uh, hacks for the graphics. Sure. I'll send you, I keep on saying I'm going to do this. I'll do it right now. I'm going to zip up my settings for the game and send them to you, and you can import them, and they should work for yours with no problems. Like, oh, it's already all right. pre-configured and everything, so I'll do that right now. So that way you should bypass all the bullshit. You'll already have the uh, high-resolution high mod installed and all that kind of stuff. All right, cool. Cause, uh, so I can just import it into my folder because I've already got it installed on here. Yep, yep. I'm just going to give you basically it's called DS Fix, and that sets the all the basic graphic setting stuff for you. All right. Bypassing the game's restrictions. Uh, I guess that's it, guys. i got to return to my uh, family duties, so... All right. Go home and be a family man. <laughs> okay, yeah, I will. I don't <laughs> die. That was me trying to laugh and then stumbling yeah. into a cough. All right, see you guys later. Yeah, see ya. See ya.